0: Hello, everyone, and thank you for listening to this podcast, The Truth That Heals. I am your host, Ryan Anthony Hernandez, and for today's episode, I have a special guest. His name is Daniel Holland. He is a great friend of mine whom I've known for uh, several years, and this episode is going to be a little bit different because it's my first episode where I will be Uh, giving an interview and it's not really much of an interview it's a platform that I'm uh, giving to my friend Daniel so that he can speak about his experiences uh, in the alliance and it's a bit different from my uh, other podcast episodes because I speak mostly negative about the alliance and here and there I'll Uh, Maybe give some nuggets of positivity, but I wanted to give this platform to Daniel so he can also share his, his story, his perspectives, his opinions, uh, his truth. And it's, it's different in the sense where uh, it's not, you know, just talking about the negative experience that went on in this group that I was in. Uh, we also kind of go through the, the positive and the negative, And I think it's, it's good to hear other people's perspectives and I hope you enjoy this, uh, conversation where Daniel gets to express himself, um, express the struggles that, uh, happen, uh, within religious life and also the beautiful side of religious life. And, uh, you'll get to hear him, uh, speak about his, uh, about what he went through. (coughs) Excuse me. Uh, I'm just getting through COVID. So my voice might sound a little bit, um, is I, my voice still isn't complete. I'll just say it like that. But uh, you might hear a, a few coughs here and there in our uh, in our conversation. So please excuse excuse me. Apologies. Uh, I'm still just uh, recovering. I I am now uh, negative for COVID, but this this cough is just uh, still staying with me a little bit. Uh, so just a heads up. Uh, you might hear a few coughs. But other than that, other than that, um, I will allow you now to go ahead and listen to this interview with my good friend Daniel Holland. Thank you. Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Ryan Anthony Hernandez, and I'm the host for the podcast The Truth That Heals. I have a special guest. His name is Daniel Holland. He comes from Ireland. And I've known this, uh, this amazing guy for s- several years now. And he's my first guest on the show. I'm still new at doing this. So um, please uh, have some patience. <laughs> and um, happily, I'm, I uh, introduce you all to our special guest today, Daniel Holland. Daniel, how are you doing?
1: I'm good, Ryan. How are you?
0: I'm um, well the the audience they probably don't know i i just had covid uh so my voice is a little bit uh sniffly i have uh you know the, the sniffles and i still have a bit of a sore throat but uh thank god and i i'm uh covid free at the moment i'm doing a lot better and um i i i was really looking forward to uh this interview um so so, Daniel, um, uh, in Ireland, um, I, I, I wanted to ask, how is the weather over there? Because here in San Antonio, where I'm at, it is almost every day. It's about 100 degrees um, Fahrenheit. I don't know if you use Fahrenheit in Ireland. Do you use Fahrenheit?
1: We use Celsius. So, okay. Uh, so it's about 40,
0: um, 40, 43 degrees Celsius. Okay. It's yeah event, we're every day. how is it over there
1: i'm not sure what it is here at the minute it's it's actually a little bit chilly for the middle of uh for the middle of june um we're not getting a great summer here the last few couple of summers were actually really nice uh in the midst of kind of lockdowns and stuff but now that we're we're free <laughs> um <laughs> we're not getting the weather for it you know um but uh but anyway, yeah, it's okay, we're we, we getting some nice spells here now and again, and uh, even though people tend to uh, give the Irish weather a bit of a hard time, um, it's not the worst, you know, and we don't have a lot of extremes here, so uh, that's good. Um, so yeah, the weather's, the weather's alright, yeah. Well, um, well, I'm not sure how what, what Celsius degrees we have, but uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> well, that's good that the weather is uh, cold, I mean. Uh, here it's it's extremely hot it's uh disgustingly hot but um yeah it, it's good to know that uh you guys are now uh able to go out and uh covid isn't um keeping y'all indoors and um it would be good if i can go to ireland i actually want to go to ireland um but i can't it's a little bit too expensive to go to ireland for a podcast interview so that's, yes. that's why we're doing this through, uh, through Zoom. And I, I wanted to ask you, uh, since I know you, but the audience, they haven't had the luxury of getting to know you yet. Can you uh, briefly give an introduction as to who you are and where you come from?
1: Okay, yeah. So um, yeah, my name's Daniel, as you said, and I'm from Ireland and i was a brother in the alliance so that's the term that we use in general for the, for the organization we were in in the alliance of the two hearts um i was a brother for 7 years um from uh, the end of 2005 to 2016 um so uh, so i wasn't quite there as long as you were um and you were there a couple of years before me and we we kind of cross paths I suppose more to mostly towards the end of your time there really and a little bit earlier on as well but not so much um and um yeah that's basically it so I'm, I'm from Ireland we had a few Irish brothers and sisters in the organization as well um and yeah you, you mentioned we're doing it on zoom as well just uh I don't know how the sound quality is going to be with regards to the recording so for anybody that's listening just any apologies if it's if it's not the best sound quality just recording it on my phone uh, because. i'm not the most tech savvy but um, so yeah. Um, Uh,
0: Is it would you like to share you don't have to but. um, If you want i'll start first. Um, In our organization. You know, we had our postulancy and then we had our novitiate. These are uh, terms for, uh, you know, the religious process when you're when you're taking your uh, your vows or your pledges. And then at the end of the novitiate, they gave us a a different name Uh, for my audience. They probably don't know my name that they gave me was Brother Joseph. Um, Would you like to share your name? You don't have to, but uh, it's up to you. Yeah, i to share your name
1: my name was brother Ephraim, Ephraim.
0: brother Ephraim. Yeah. I I remember, I remember calling you Ephraim for like so many years. And, uh, like in my case, when I first left, it took a little bit of adapting again to, to hearing my, to hearing people call me Ryan, you know? So it was just so hard from Joseph or people would call me Jose or Giuseppe. Um, And then this out of the blue, it's back to Ryan. It was really like a culture shock to my body. Uh, Did you ever go through that at first?
1: A little bit, yeah, a little bit. And I think as well, um, like when you're kind of relating to brothers and sisters, I suppose primarily brothers that I would know um, or people that would come out as well, like from the community, you know they'd have two different names that you'd be trying to remember them remember them by you know so it's a little bit tricky like what do you call somebody like or you'd forget their secular name completely like and that's the name that they're using now again you know um so yeah that's a little bit weird but it's okay it's okay
0: and and then some of our friends whom we know uh they they did get a new name but then later on they found out that their name was like someone evil in the bible so they had to change it to like another name you know do you, do you remember that
1: Oh, yeah, I know. I know you're referring to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so it makes it more difficult <laughs> it, again to it, remember this like a third name. Yeah, but I don't think it was somebody evil, though. It was named after a saint, I think, but it was just the name had a kind of a connotation with something evil as well. So Sometimes, eventually yeah. they, eventually they changed it, I think. But, um, so that's yeah, so I don't know. Yeah, was, so I, I mean, I suppose like I know you've been doing the recordings and you've been putting out the posts for a while and you've been going through a lot of things and um and as well as that i suppose i know that there's like people are kind of giving you feedback in different ways and people are judging it in different ways um and i know and i suppose this is a bit of a different uh turn again now just to be doing an interview um so um yeah, so I guess uh, I suppose maybe like we can kind of start off with regards to kind of just my, maybe explaining um, from my perspective, like why I think um, or why I'm I'm deciding to kind of have a conversation with you um, about my experience and our experience, I suppose.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and maybe we can kind of go from there then. So,
0: yes, um, the name of the podcast is The Truth That Heals. Um... And when I, I named it that, I do, I didn't want people to assume that all of us, or myself, that we were broken and shattered. I think that uh, the the title that I gave it was so that those who are listening can understand not only myself, but you know, in the future having guests like you where you can have a platform to speak your story. And hopefully, uh, you know, I'm gonna give you the liberty to, to, to speak freely. And with the hopes that those who are listening may hopefully understand that there is more to the story than uh, what people might think, you know, from an outside perspective. So it'll give, Opportunity to the listeners to have a more in-depth understanding, and uh, that's why I'm I'm very happy to have you as a guest, uh, where you can speak uh, freely. And yes, uh, first of all, I think it's important that the audience understands. You know why is it that uh, you would like to speak, and uh, where you want to go from there.
1: Yeah. So. Um... So one of the one of the words that you're bringing up here <laughs> um, as you're just speaking is is understanding um, and that's from my perspective that would be kind of the kind of one of the key kind of motivations that I have as well. Um, I think that um, like my own uh, judgment of my experience in the community um, there's a lot of things to kind of take in and kind of assess, and it's difficult to fully understand um, everything about that experience. And so I think that this is an opportunity and a way to kind of break it down and kind of try and bring understanding for ourselves as we're speaking about it or having to consider it, Um, but also to bring understanding, as you said, um, for people who also um, shared in that experience and went through that experience and um, and are carrying uh, difficulties with them since they came out because of it. Um, you know, I think everybody's experience in the community was unique and people have different temperaments and they went through different things. Um, and so, you know, I'm sure there are many people that their experience is very positive. Um, but then there are people who um, who have carried difficulties from that community. And I think that, uh, yeah, so that key thing of trying to bring understanding and, um, you know, uh, speaking through it allows for reflection. And also, um, you know, when you're speaking about it, I feel like, you know, you might not always express everything correctly or you might not always judge everything correctly, but um, by opening up about it and by uh, moving into that area and discussing it, um, it allows you to figure it out, you know? And, um, and so that's why I think it's a good idea um, to try and speak about it. Um, I'm speaking about it for my understanding. I'm speaking about it for the understanding of the people who are in the community um, and something for them to reflect on. Um, and I'm also speaking about it for the understanding of people who I know here, um, who didn't live the experience and who didn't um see or you know who who aren't aware of what what we experienced. Um, and that's actually a big motivation for me as well actually, because um you know, one of the things that I encounter um now in my life out here is that... Um, particularly in Ireland, and it's probably a universal thing around, or in lots of parts of the world, is you know this um, ability for people to really not speak about um, deeper questions of religion or faith, and um, and I'm I'm encountering um, an inability to really engage in that conversation with people. Um, and it, it comes across in different ways. Like, so some people um, are uh, defensive, some people are hostile, um, and some people just don't know how to engage in it. And um, and so sometimes um, when I'm going about my life, I'll meet somebody and, you know, I might be introducing myself or telling a little bit about myself. And pretty commonly, it usually comes along you know, not too long that I'll speak about my experience. I was away from Ireland for a while and it'll come up that I was in a religious community. And one of the things that happens is that, so, so basically like I, I, I have a temperament that's kind of disposed towards anxiety. And this became an issue for me when I was in community. And when I came out of community, it was a very big issue for me. It was very difficult with regards to anxiety. And it's something that I've had to kind of process and work with over the last couple of years. Um, But one of the times that it really manifests is uh, when I speak about being in the community. So anytime that I meet somebody and I might be telling them a bit that I was in a religious community, like I tense up in my person and um, I find it very hard. So I'm aware that it's very hard to really break the whole thing down and uh, explain it in a very kind of, uh, uh, you know, it's not a very, it, the, the circumstance that I'm in doesn't really support a deep conversation. So um, I find that it's, a, it's, it's actually even a counter witness to the faith, like the fact that I'm um, carrying this tension and this anxiety when I speak about something about religion and my faith which is something that I value so much and is so important and something that I feel needs to be communicated in a positive way. And um, I'm not doing that when I speak about the community because of um, the tension that I feel, you know? Um, So yeah, so that's one of the motivations that I have. So just having a way to kind of speak about my experience and then, you know, maybe somewhere along the line, somebody who knows me wants to know a little bit about my background. Um, they'll have an opportunity to hear that. Um, so yeah, they're pretty much the reasons um, that's pretty much covers covers that, you know. Um, and uh, yeah, so like we spoke, I suppose, just beforehand about kind of a little bit of the idea about where we go like. So um, one of the things that I probably just start off with is just a little bit about my background and, um, how I kind of ended up joining the alliance, and just my experience in Ireland, kind of maybe growing up a little bit. Yeah. Um, and I'd also, I'd also, I'd li- like to maybe just say a quick prayer to the Holy Spirit as well, just as we kind of get going as well. Um, just kind of acknowledging the fact that. Um, again, I might not always express myself correctly. Like I was thinking a little bit about this for the last while, and I feel like there's a lot of things to kind of pull together and I might not always uh, touch on things right, or I might not explain things well, or, you know, I want to uh, give everybody their fair due. I don't want to be um, um, critical where criticism isn't due, but at the same time, um, maybe some things need to be acknowledged and discussed. Um, So I want to try, so i just, just uh, say a quick prayer to the Holy Spirit, maybe just to, um, to uh, ask for, um, for support in that area. Um, so, um, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Come Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of the faithful, and enkindle in them the fire of thy love. Send forth your Holy Spirit, and they shall be created, and thou shalt renew the face of the earth. O God, you have instructed the hearts of your faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit. Grant that through the same Holy Spirit, we may always be truly wise and rejoice in his consolation through the same Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, Okay. (laughs) I
0: I think it's very um, noble, uh, you sharing sharing about uh, anxiety. Uh, it's not easy to share, uh, you know that you know you've tensed up while speaking to others about your religious background, and it's something which many of us and when I say us, I I'm referring to ex-members of of this alliance. It's something that many of us might be going through, and. Some of us might have suffered this anxiety alone or have even felt uh, kind of like an outcast. And, you know, this topic, I think, can be very healing, uh, even for myself, because I've gone through that anxiety of dealing with people, especially in the beginning, dealing with people who are regular men and women who never went through the experiences that, that I went through and not being able to relate. But I've already shared so much through the previous episodes about my experiences and my anxiety. And I thank you for your courage to, to do this because Lord knows it isn't easy. And, and yes, you know, as you were saying, you might not cover it all, or sometimes, or you might miss something. But I think that the audience will understand that you're trying your best, and I hope the audience is is forgiving if you know we're not, we are we are not the best. But I think what matters is that we give our best, and and that's what uh, I see you're doing here. So I wanted to um to kind of understand what was. You know your catholic upbringing what was your experience before uh joining the alliance like who was the daniel yeah. before
1: okay um okay so my experience uh growing up um in ireland and um, when i was young so ireland is historically a very catholic country and it's I suppose anybody that knows anything about the faith now knows that Ireland is not so Catholic anymore. Um, so when I was young, the majority of people uh, in Ireland were still going to Mass. And um, and I, as a young person in Ireland, um, had a sense of the um, the weakness of the faith in Ireland, even though most people were still going to Mass and um it it was something that was uh people would go through the motions it was something that people just did and uh so basically uh, during the 90s um we had an economic boom and some scandals started coming out as well and like large large amounts of the population really just started moving away from the faith to a large extent and it was something you know within that period of time you know it was some it was a massive movement away from the faith really like for such a short period of time um and it's something that's kind of ongoing now um and always kind of manifesting um itself um to the point that today like in ireland um you know, there's a large amount of the society in Ireland that has um real hang ups against the church, you know, and it, it's something that almost kind of moves um, the the society here. Um, Is this kind of like anything that's kind of like contrary to kind of God's way in a way, like, you know, politically and stuff like that. Mm. Um, so that's really a dramatic change. But, but when I was young. Um, so. I was brought up in a family that I would say that had more faith than the average. Um, but we were pretty typical of the time and the place. And so through the nineties also as a family, my sense was that we were moving away from the faith as well as a family and individually myself also, I was moving away from the faith. Like I, I, I had a bit of a foundation to the point where, um, where, um, it's something that kind of got a bit of a, more of a hold in me, I think, than so I, I have a few sisters. I don't have any brothers. Like it got a bit more of a hold in me than than my sisters. Um, but as a teenager, uh, in that period during the 90s when when the country was just like we had this economic boom and we were really just caught up in all of that, very kind of like uh, worldly um civilization, I suppose, or society. Um and so that was very much a part of my life as well. And towards the end of my teenage years, um, I really questioned a lot of the faith and I didn't really fully believe in stuff like that. Um, so it was after secondary school, so which would probably be equivalent of like high school, um, going into college, um, I had difficulty applying myself in, uh, in college in the course that I started. And I started asking a lot of questions with regards to, um, you know, the deeper questions, you know, the meaning of life, my own purpose, my own like, uh, you know, being disciplined and how I was applying myself with life and where I was going and what did it all mean. And so I was looking at like different religious um, creeds um, and I came across a book of messages from um, um, a mystic in America actually. And um, and that was something that really penetrated my my core, like it was something that really just shook me like and I used to read those messages like and it would come to a point where I couldn't actually keep reading them like they had such an effect on me. And it was a very direct communication with God, I, I felt as I was reading them. And the thing that really struck me when I read them was um, this is real. Um, and. You know if it's real then it needs to be lived fully and this was the realization and so this was the thing that i had felt when i was young like that what i saw in scripture didn't relate to what i was seeing in the church um you know it was a dead dry faith people were going through the motions priests weren't being inspirations on the altar um and and so all of a sudden um it became a real thing and um, I was struck by the need to live it fully and so that started me off in a progression of engaging in the faith in a very real way and um, and eventually I started meeting other Catholics who took the faith very seriously and um, started going to prayer meetings and things like that and everything that was involved with being being a, a Catholic who really engages in their faith. And um, So, yeah, so I suppose the next stage then is basically like I'm engaging in the faith and I'm encountering uh, again, that society, (laughs) you know, I'm a bit like I start, I start becoming a bit of an outsider, basically, you know, Um, because this is something that's important to me. Um, And uh, the, the faith is communicating itself to me. And what I'm seeing is um, the depth of it, the seriousness of it. So when you're engaging in the faith, it is a, it is a message of uh, it is a message of joy. It's a message of it's a message of incredible consolation from the point of view that um, it gives meaning and purpose to your life and it gives you assurances Um, but it's also a very serious message. And living it seriously is impressing itself upon me. And so uh, I was living in Galway at the time. I was going to a lot of prayer meetings um, and I had a friend in particular who I was going to a lot of uh, prayer meetings with. There There was kind of a year there when I was in Galway. I was in Galway for a good few years. And there was a year there where I was in Galway with one friend and we were going to a lot of prayer meetings and stuff um and really like praying a lot and and a a lot of it as well was actually like trying to figure out the faith right so because you're coming into it from a point of view of somebody who hasn't really lived it properly um to the point where you're really trying to live it properly so you're looking for guidance and you're looking for the way to live it and you're you're hungry for that and uh at that time like EWTN would have been very dominant, like, in so you would have had um, Father Karup, You would have been on EWTN, uh, you would have had um, I remember, Father Gabriel Immorto, was still alive, the Italian exorcist. Um, and so you're encountering, like, you're hearing about these priests that are really <laughs> spiritual, like, really holy spiritual priests, right? And... You're fascinated by the depth of the faith and uh, the spiritual element like you're encountering people who are having spiritual experiences um and so uh, and, that, and
0: and that so, wasn't something that you had in ireland like you you didn't have those kind of inspirational priests in your parishes exactly
1: yes absolutely a hundred percent and so so this friend of mine and myself like so I, yeah. So we were, we were, we started discerning for the priesthood, basically. Like, so I remember I was at a retreat, and um, uh, we were. It was actually it was a conversation around a meal, and you know, we were. So yeah. So the the point that you're making there about about priests, right? So we we had we hadn't encountered very many like priests. that were giving a lot of inspiration, and this is a, this is a particular point that I want to make as well, actually, about that, but. Uh, before I move on to that there um, just about this conversation like so we had this kind of two sides about like what kind of an order would you join like you know so um, a lot of the the newer a lot of the older orders were lacking in in uh, dynamism and orthodoxy this is what we were encountering and so we were seeing like these new groups where there was a lot of dynam- dynamism and effectiveness and orthodoxy and so you're looking at that and you're being inspired by that and so that's naturally the way that you want to move so when i was at this at this meeting at this retreat uh one guy at the tables was and he was it was the, the point came up like that we were that I was discerning and he just said join a new organization he said just join a new organization like don't, wait, don't waste your time like now there is another side to that like where i probably would have heard it as well like that you know, if you join uh, an older organization, there's more stability, right? So there is a case to be made in that regard. But but I think it was important to recognize like that from our perspective at that time, um, there was no inspiration there. Like and 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 this is a point that I want to make with regards to the priesthood, um, you know, the, the immensity of the responsibility uh, that priests carry and um, the effects that that has on a society. Um, so, you know, I speaking about Ireland and, the, and all the things that are happening in Ireland and the way that Irish, Ireland is moving away from the faith. And I, t- I spoke about like the, the, the economic boom and the scandals, but for me, and it took me quite a while to, to see this, but this is how I see it, that the primary reason why people moved away from the faith in Ireland, was because of a lack of orthodoxy in the priests um, now there, there are people who who hold the who hold on to the faith, but they're not actually <laughs> well there's a whole spectrum but there's people who would call themselves Catholic but they aren't really holding the faith like and they have a have a have a liberal I suppose to use to use a label and it, call it a liberal view of the faith but that comes from the priests. are who are teaching that and those people would be very hostile to orthodoxy but um but when when you encounter god and you and you're and you start engaging in it in a real way you you come to see like how much is missing about what you're encountering you know um so again this point of um the responsibility that priests have and you know a lot of the difficulties that we have encountered um, fall back on the leaders of the church so again with regards to the responsibility that priests have um, you know it, it's not an easy job and um, you know there's quite a lot required of priests and um, so one of what I would say about the priesthood is that priests need to proclaim the faith they need to proclaim it in places where it's not being proclaimed where there are weaknesses in society and where society is rejecting god a priest need to call that out Um, but they have to actually know what they're talking about as well (laughs) because you know you can come across orthodox priests who um, you know they're not clued in enough like no i haven't come across it too much but it's a bit of that as well you know and so you, you have to be very careful that you're saying things the right way and you're talking about but you, but you there are things that need to be said that are being said. Um, and another thing is um, uh, yeah, no, I think I'm after losing my, my train of thought there now as well. Because there was a few things with regards to the priesthood. Um, you know, yeah, it's so in charity they need to communicate in charity even though so even though they're communicating things that need to be communicated it also needs to be communicated in charity and it needs to be communicated in humility um you know um because i come across i come across sometimes in the priesthood um there's a judgment made on young people who um are seeking god and are making missteps. They're making missteps because of lack of guidance. <laughs> and then they're getting priests, you know, uh, giving them a hard time because of their missteps. But the, the, the reason there's missteps is because there's such a, a weakness in in the leadership. Um, and so, um, yeah, so that's one point that I just want to make, make with regards to the, the immense responsibility on the leaders, on the priests, um, and then, um, I, so I, I suppose moving back to the story about, about joining the Alliance, um, this is our motivation. We're looking for something orthodox. Um, so what happens is my friend, um, we were aware of Father Bing. Father Bing is on our EWTN. My friend, um, goes to a retreat, um, in Ireland with the Alliance. And I wasn't able to go, I was working he comes back from that retreat and uh he's had a, a an interesting experience or a, a an inspirational experience um he spoke with uh, one of the priests at the retreat and he he prayed with the priests in the morning so we have early we had early rising the, the community would pray before their apostolate very early in the morning so this friend of mine um prayed with the community in the morning uh he spoke to me about um uh he spoke to me about this priest that he had a conversation with about this priest uh reading souls he spoke to me about this priest having uh the stigmata um yeah so you mentioned that you spoke about that in one of your earlier podcasts um and um this, the way that this was communicated to, from my friend was <laughs> that he was kind of up closer and he saw it but he, he said other people didn't really see it like but um so you like the point that you had made about that was that um it was something that was kind of allowed to kind of be put out there um but it's not necessarily the case that he had the stigmata um, i don't know if you want to say something about that
0: uh, no no, no I, I, I mean we thought uh, you know, when I was inside, it's like, damn, dude, this guy is so holy. He can read your soul. And I remember asking several uh, elder members, like, hey, uh, what happened? And, you know, they, they it, it was, I think some of them were kind of like playing with it uh, because it, it does attract, uh, yeah. you know, knowing that you have someone who has stigmata and they would keep it very, like, closed-lipped. But then later on, as I, like, Got to know the, the person whom the priest we're talking about. Um, yeah, it, there is uh, no doubt that it is uh, not not the stigma. I have, I have no doubt that it is not the stigmata. Um, however, uh, he, we, we all did have uh, great views of him. Uh, it really seemed like he could read our hearts, read our soul. So there was like a, a reverence, even though it, it wasn't uh, a stigmata. I think it was it was from what I understood, uh, from what i was was told, uh, he was having a mystical uh, moment, or a, as uh, some Catholics would describe it, theologians, uh, it would be um, an ecstasy. And from my understanding, from the stories, I've heard several story, different account, different accounts from different uh, witnesses. He had told me that uh, Father Bing gave obedience uh, for members to put uh, a candle under uh, under his palm, so that it can uh, test the authenticity if he was in ecstasy or if he was just in a mental state. And supposedly the story is that he didn't react because he was such in a Uh, mystical moment however those were only uh, accounts and um, not all the accounts matched so I don't know what the truth is uh, but I felt that they kind of um, sold this idea to to the people even to to us within the community that he is a gifted and spiritual person and that's all i really have to say about about that case although now i i do not i do not agree with it
1: yeah so yeah so i've 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 pretty good reason to believe that (laughs) it's not the stigma as well um okay so yeah so yeah so this is what we're encountering like uh, this is like oh wow like this is the real deal here. Like, you know, this is, (laughs) um, so my friend comes back from this retreat and, um, he's agreed to, um, to meet up with them, to just kind of join up for a while and see. Um, and I was kind of looking at something else. Um, so I, (laughs) and I hadn't, I hadn't met the Alliance anyway. So, um, so my friend left Ireland and he joined and he went to, uh, Dover, Delaware. And, um, and I was in Ireland and I was continuing in the prayer groups and um, really kind of engaging in the faith a lot. Um, So after about, I don't know, was it maybe six months, um, the friend came back to Ireland because he had to renew his visa for the US. He had a kind of a short visa and um, and he was telling me a lot about his experience in the community. which was very inspirational as well like <laughs> um you know one of the things that you're hearing about is like you know the difficulty of the lifestyle like the sacrifice involved um which is um which is inspiring for somebody who wants to follow god to the fullest who wants to live the faith in the fullest way um but looking for guidance, like that would be one thing that I would say like about everything that I did was really about trying to find the place where um, I could be guided in the faith fully, like to live it as best that I could, you know. Um, I think that was my primary motivation, motivation, joining. Um, and I did kind of, you know, people talk about being called to the priesthood. Um, you know I would have said like that I felt the calling from the point of view that um, you know I was engaging in prayer a lot and um, I was motivated to follow God fully um, and people would say to me like oh you maybe you could be a priest <laughs> this was something that he came across a lot I don't know if I don't know if you ever came across this I know you were quite young when you joined but like in that group, like going around in those prayer groups and whatever, like any young boy, like you get people coming <laughs> along saying like, oh, you know, you could be a priest. Like this is something that was happening a lot. And and yeah, there was, there was even the, like there was a controversial figure in Ireland at the time. Actually, was saying that to a lot of people. but And so some people didn't take it well. But anyway, um, so yeah so that's kind of putting in a seed like that's putting in a seed right and so fair enough like there's different ways everybody gets called kind of differently i suppose and you never really know until you're ordained like you know um so anyway after another about maybe year um this other thing that i was looking at didn't really work out so i said okay maybe i'll just try the the alliance and it was probably a little bit of frustration as well like because I was discerning and I was looking for a community to join and nothing was happening so um so I gave them a phone call in Delaware and um I asked if I could come and visit them and and then maybe I so I think I I visited them in maybe august or september of 2005 so a couple of weeks after i gave them a ring and actually funnily enough before i had joined before i went over to visit them um that friend had come out so he had done about a year and a half i think with them so he was back in ireland like for about a week or two before i before i went over to visit um so so let
0: me let me ask you this so you had not yet gone to any of the retreats or have you did you go to exactly yes so you had not no okay so i had met them but you gave them a call in dover asking you asked to go to dover or to go to a retreat first
1: to go to dover to visit yeah just to see the community how things are done
0: okay i I didn't know that i I had no
1: yeah which was which was which was a bit of a unique situation i don't know how many other people went that way but most people would have gone through the apostolate like the um the youth congresses congresses that they organized um, are people who would have known the community for a while before they joined, maybe. Yeah,
0: to kind of get familiar with the group first and to see what they do. But your your mindset was, I'm going to call them up for the intention of going there to discern. Uh, Can you explain very quickly what your idea of discernment was in that period? Because... When I was in there, I, I never really, I heard that word, you know, get used in passing, but I never fully grasped that, the, the true meaning until later on after I left. Uh, for me, discernment was letting them discern for me. Uh, yeah, but, right. But what was your, at that period, I actually never heard the word discernment. I only heard okay. it when I, when I went through the doors and entered that place. But you you wanted to discern before joining what what is your definition what was your definition well, of discernment
1: well i i i don't think i could give a, 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 a I would i don't know if i'd be able to give a, like a, a an exact definition but or, my understanding the concept,
0: of the, yeah the understanding yeah, yeah so my mean?
1: under my understanding of the of discernment at that time was that you kind of you're engaging in a question you're praying about it um you're experiencing things like you know Jesus in the in the bible he said come and see to uh to some of his earliest disciples um so this was the thing about 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 discerning a religious vocation you you visit you see how does it feel uh, what's your experience is it something that might fit you like that um so yeah you just kind of work it out and you you know for personally I always kind of like looked for I'd be watching to see how God might communicate like and he could do it in different ways like just somebody could say something to you um and that might be a communication now it's not something that you would always kind of give over as a message from God but wherever you get like um, guidance like and in a way I think and it's something that I probably understand a bit more now is that you know discernment is almost it can become too big of a thing in a way like it can be it's 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 very simple in in a lot of ways like you can just kind of make a decision like and a lot of times if something doesn't work out then you know it's not for you and you go somewhere else um and i know um like we we said something about this before i speak before um like through my experience in the community um like i suppose one of like the idea here, probably here in a, in a while, is like talking about some of the positives and some of the negatives. And I want to give it, a, it's due where it is due, but I think it's important to try and figure out where there are problems. Um, like probably the thing that stands out more for me than anything else as an issue is, um, you know, kind of manipulation with regards to getting vocations. And um, the idea in the community is, um, was a very kind of like okay so like you, you you join you you go and visit right so and then you 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 join for a while and then you're constantly getting messages about like you know you, you why you you want to leave you shouldn't want to leave like this is the messaging that's coming like all the time um like you you did a you did an episode recently about about spiritual abuse, and I think that ties into like this thing about manipulation that I feel um you know that was a bit of a revelation to me to hear you talking about that one because it helped me to make sense of some things like the messaging how that's affecting people you know and I think that's a large part of you know where somebody could have some psychological difficulties like it it particularly coming out you know Mm. um and with the spirituality of the community. So the, the charism of the community is victimhood, right? And that is something that is difficult to grasp and explain to people who aren't engaged strongly in the faith. And it's even <laughs> it's even difficult for people who are engaged strongly in the faith like you yeah, have like there that's a pretty loaded word like victimhood and um, but 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 the discernment in the community followed that from the point of view that you know if you're suffering then you know like you know so tied to victimhood the place of suffering in the spiritual life which has a place in the spiritual life um becomes emphasized and so if you're suffering if you're finding it difficult then that's not a reason for you to leave that's how things are seen there um it's 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 because that's 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 the charism yeah yeah so you're suffering yeah exactly yeah right then you should stay um, more reason to stay yeah and then there's a key thing in my journey a couple of years later like this is something that I mentioned to you where I was in Ireland like (laughs) people were saying to me a lot about um uh but sure you're happy anyway like you know they'd say that to you about you're living the life you know and and I would be saying yes even though even though it wasn't true and when i was I, I i had the the blessing of being able to visit ireland for my sister's wedding thanks be to god and thanks be to the superiors who allowed that um and i met this woman when i was here i was we visited a neighbor of ours and she asked me that question you're happy anyway and um and and then before kind of waiting for my my response she said because if you're not happy you're no good to anybody and that was the thing that really struck me you know and um, that was you know it really hit me home like because it's absolutely true like um, and so so that brings question marks with regards to discernment, with regards to, you know, being, being suffering, you know, and discernment of your vocation through suffering. You know, uh, somebody, we mentioned like how I had spoken to somebody recently um, who was, and the idea, and I've actually, there's a few people I've spoken to recently, and this idea about, you know, being at peace with something, you know, that's a sign that it's for you, you know. <laughs> and, um, And that's what that's what I believe. Um, I actually interesting enough just to just to kind of just to kind of give a bit of um, balance to that. I don't know where I've seen. I haven't seen that in any spiritual books, though. Like, it makes sense that you need to be able to kind of you need to be able to do something like and if if something is breaking you down, then that's a problem. I would be very interested to see where that idea of discernment um, comes from. If there's some um, church text, um, but it makes sense. Like I, I accept this, um, that you would find a peace with something. Um, my experience is like from reading some spiritual books, I remember reading even in the Summa by St. Thomas Aquinas, he spoke about discernment and or, like in a religious community, like and it was almost like, yeah, you just join a religious community. That's a good thing to do. Like it's a better state of life. And you wouldn't really there wouldn't really be many, many reasons to leave a religious community or good reasons to leave a religious community unless you were to kind of go to something that have, had even higher vows, Right. And so this kind of tied in to the orthodoxy of the community that we're in. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, there's a bottom line here with regards to um, what's happening to the people like, and if it's being, if it's destructive, like if it's something is breaking you down and it's causing problems, you know, um, that's already like, so one of the reasons why you would leave is if you're not able to live it because of sickness or whatever. Um, and I think that ties into psychological issues as well. And I think because the charism was so was such a challenging lifestyle, such a challenging charism, or even the lifestyle, because the lifestyle that we live was difficult. Um, um, you know, you're walking a very fine line. So you I think that you I think that the community should have been very selective in who they were accepting because of the um the focus of that charism. And um, being able to live that lifestyle, and if people are having difficulties, I think that the right way to discern it is to not allow so many people to become professed, you know. Um, that's my sense of it um, after my experience
0: from, from your From your witnessing from when, the time you were there, because you just mentioned that they should have been more selective and in, in whom they allowed to become professed, professed and you know whom they recruited, uh, my question is, how many members how many people did you see get recruited during your stay there uh if you could estimate you know during your time during your your time there from the time you joined
1: from the time I joined to the time I left wow okay yes um well so well when I joined in in Delaware um there was a batch that had been there when I visited there was maybe about I don't know 15 okay international 15 international vocations so they would have been the year ahead of me like they had gone to the philippines when i actually when i arrived when i when i arrived so i joined in later like right after christmas that 2005 and there was actually a, a vocation retreat there at that time in the community and um and they got so many young people to sign up to join um and then those people were going home to their parents like and uh they never <laughs> we never saw them again <laughs> <laughs> the
0: parents said, no, and no no way
1: you know, you know like so fair enough like well they were younger than me like i was i was a bit older when i joined than most people um and it was yeah i mean it was it was it was a manipulation again like and the superior at, at the time this this priest um with the Stigmata, like he was speaking about um about, you know, oh, I didn't force you to do this or I didn't coerce you, you know. And um, you know, there was a justification given without any of us asking a question, like, you know, but and this was constant, this was something that happened a lot, like there was a lot of kind of justifying things because of opposition from outside. Um yeah, but so yeah, so so. So most of those people had come back. So for a few months, there was only a very small group of us there, actually. Um, And then we got a few more numbers. And then I had to go to the Philippines early. So I did the second half of my postulancy in the Philippines. So let's say about a year. First six months in the U.S., second six months in, in the Philippines. That was the time you guys were there doing the... were kind of in the basement stuff that was when i was kind of uh, postulant
0: you mean the dungeon
1: yeah yeah dungeon (laughs) yeah yeah. the preparation for the inevitable or something yeah
0: oh yeah so
1: i was a postulant in the u.s that time i think and then um and then so the second half then i arrived in the philippines and there was a couple of more one or two more that that arrived later um we kind of staggered in um maybe about five or six a couple of australians had joined um one other Irish guy, um, but I was the first over there and there was a big group of Filipinos there, like a big group. I don't know, they probably like, had- Like 15, like 15? No, I'd say they had probably gotten about 80 at the beginning and a lot of them had left already. Like, I mean, throughout the year of postulancy, like it just got whittled down and whittled down. But I know, I think we, the, we started, when we started our novitiate the second year, there was I think there was I think it was 41 or 42 and those who got professed at the end of the novitiate was maybe like 39 I think so most most got professed so so that were they were kind of the numbers that were coming in um you could say about 40 in the novitiate was kind of normal that time um and then there was some processes with Rome a couple of years later a few years down the line so the numbers got a little bit lower and then they got frozen they weren't taking anybody in Um, So they were getting big numbers. And um, that was one of my issues, I suppose, like the fact that there was so many people there and it was such an active community. So one of the the kind of emphases um, in the community was that you would would always be doing something like, and so everything is set up to kind of like, keep kind of following the schedule. Um, And particularly in the morning. So before I joined, I had been inspired and motivated. Um, to spend quite a bit of time of prayer in the mornings and I used it used to be really a, a means of, of preparing me for the day you know this really it was a very intimate intimate prayer um, and so I found in community um, it was it was well I would say <laughs> it was traumatic like trying to uh, trying to manage the mornings um, and just uh, you know Many of so we would we would wake on a bell, and a lot of the time, <laughs> the person who was ringing the bell would be quite um, severe, oh. and then it was all activity, and everybody was moving around, and we then we had this uh, imray pre- preparation for prayer, and in the writings of the community, that imray is supposed to dispose you for prayer. It's supposed to to give you a heart of prayer before you begin prayer, but that was not my experience of it it didn't do that um <laughs> was and that it, was one was of it, the
0: key was it the bell that kind of got you already uh undisposed or was it just the Imre itself it just wasn't your thing
1: I think a lot of it was just like the, the numbers of people just moving around like everything like like I yeah I I really struggled with that um and like something that happened like so I I surrendered that in my in my post no in the postulancy in the in the Philippines the schedule wasn't we weren't waking up as early actually in America at the beginning it was probably the toughest with regards to rising and 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 sleeping
0: what time Um, was the rising
1: in America um, I'm I'm not sure I can't really remember I think we were like four hours sleep or four and a half hours so and we had we had adoration in the middle of that it was broken like you spoke about that before um so that was intense like and maybe at the weekend you might get a small bit of a lion. just to kind of and that'd be the thing that would sustain you like you'd be drawn out by the end of it and I, I I used to do well with sleep like I used to be really good at keeping myself awake um generally
0: (laughs) um I um... I, I remember this quick uh story for the uh audience (laughs) because later on during the I I was always terribly sleepy I I I always felt that I was uh attacked by little uh (laughs) little mini demons and they were uh you know getting my eyelids and pulling down pulling my eyelids down because um I was I was always sleepy and even during our, no- our nocturnal adoration in the Philippines, because you as you, you just shared how we would have nocturnal in the middle of our sleep. So our sleep would be broken, and then you know, you yeah. you go back to sleep for two hours. And, and I, I would go in there and I would see you like wide awake, like all the time. And I was like, damn, <laughs> damn it, you know, like how the heck is this guy awake? You know, and like, man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna miss my breakfast and you know this skinny, yeah. this skinny guy like he gets to eat like i need to eat man so yeah. the... yeah.
1: so go but go ahead you know what? One of, like one of the things that you experience is that people struggle in so many different ways like one of the things that i really and it's a good thing that i learned like i i think about human nature like and i say this to some sometimes people like so People have so like they, they can see things in so many different ways and experience things in so many different ways. So something that one person can have like absolutely no problem with, another person can be it can just completely break another person, like um and so you see that and then you you see somebody struggling with something, or there's like situations where it's very easy to judge another person, but you un you come to understand that that's something that that's not easy for them like you know so you learn to not judge people but in the spiritual life it actually becomes you know it's a very strong temptation to actually judge people as well like you know um so i think i think you were a victim of that particularly towards the end of your period anyway that's something that i saw um um yeah so people have have different um different uh, things that they're going through you know so that was that was one of the things for me just in the mornings like um um yeah so i don't know we're, where are we going at the minute we've uh, we've moved we, it we've,
0: we've gone from like discernment to you yeah. you calling dover to wanting to go there to yeah. um to the struggles uh of uh manipulation to get vocations and lastly we we're talking about how they had like 80 members in the philippines and how they had like it was just the way of the recruitment process and how yeah and and how we had so many who probably shouldn't have been there
1: yeah well you know i so one of the th- the things that you you mentioned earlier about me when i joined is i hadn't been at any of the retreats or anything and um so after my first few months in the us so again i said it was 6 months um the second period like we were preparing for three adores, or i believe sometimes i recall them i can't remember what we called them at the time like these eucharistic youth conferences and uh we did three of them in a row over the space of four weeks we did one in new jersey we did one in toronto and we did one in uh, omaha nebraska so we were traveling around doing those um and so the one in new jersey that was my first experience of that um, and the perspective was quite you, particular because I was a, I was a postulant, you know, so I didn't get to experience it the way people experience it outside of the community. And. Um, and yeah, so we were very focused on our part, so we're, you know, these action songs and these skits preparing all of that stuff, which didn't particularly agree with me, like um, mm-hmm. So from that perspective, it was something that I didn't like Um, my the way that I had expressed the faith previously or engaged with the faith. But, you know, my perspective was, okay. this is a sacrifice. I'll just offer up this and go along with it or whatever. Um, So that's fine. Um, But it wasn't something that inspired me from my experience of it. And I know afterwards that Father Bing was speaking with the community. Um, like during the community's prayer during the night and like you know he was quite um, not happy with actually the way things had gone and he was speaking about how the emphasis had become about the performance you know and it wasn't kind of the substance and he was quite he was very firm in, in kind of addressing that you know so this was all a bit of a shock to me, like experiencing all of this. Um, and I, I didn't like the vocation call at the end either. Um, so this is something that happens at the end of each every Eucharistic Congress, like where they have like a testimony from the priest, and then there's like a call for people to come up on stage and basically kind of give themselves to God and 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 give themselves kind of to, a, to a, a religious vocation, basically, like even though a lot of people that would go up wouldn't follow through on, the, on, on joining, but that was a big way in which they got people to join, you know, a big way. And that never sat well with me. Like I didn't particularly like that. I felt there was a bit of manipulation involved in that. And I remember a couple of years later, uh, one of the priests speaking about how, like during one of these conferences, like, People going to confession to him, and um he would kind of he would kind of tell them like oh I think you might have a vocation like this was kind of the the thing that they were constantly kind of um putting out with regards to try and get people in now that particular priest uh somebody somebody that i i really <clears throat> somebody that I respect um but these were kind of things that were happening um and Uh, you know, just to give, give that a bit more of a steel man kind of argument, like just to kind of fortify that a little bit from their perspective. um, You know, one of the views of the community was that, um, you know, from the writings of the saints that, uh, I think it was St. Don Bosco had a quote where like, he saw the seed of a vocation in like a certain number for every maybe five, um, young boys or young girls even uh there would be like four who had the seed of vocation like it was a big number anyway I can't remember what the numbers were but it was a big number so the perspective was that um so many had this seed of vocation and that was one of the reasons why they wanted to try and get people who were young as well because there was a um they saw that there was a purity in people who were young Um, and that the the world that people were experiencing was damaging them to the point that they wouldn't be able to live the life. Um, And that was their motivation. Um, But, um, you know, you spoke about in one of your talks that they had been given quotas to try and get certain numbers. Um, And so, you know, I just think that there was, you know, that was the wrong way to go about things. interesting side to that I remember when I was in the Philippines at one point there was an adore in Ireland so I think there's only ever been two and the second one was up in Donegal and uh, it was the the report that I got back when I was in the Philippines when it was the only adore where nobody went up on stage for the vocation call you know and I never um, knew that yeah. And my disposition on hearing that was I was kind of happy about it. <laughs> um, <laughs> because well, so the, so this I suppose it's important for me to to say that I never embraced the community that I joined. And this was a big thing about my experience in the community. Um there were too many things that happened to me at the beginning that made me kind of feel like I don't, this is not what I want. Like and I kept following because I never felt like that there was a, a justification for me to go out and um you know so just just to finish up on this like this vocation call in in Donegal um you know the sense that I have is that you know Ireland particularly through its historical background um you know and uh, you know this whole kind of uh, theatrical element to the way that the communicate the community um expressed itself, it wasn't something that it would appeal to Irish people like Ireland, I think, particularly in Donegal anyway, there would be very much about substance, you know, mm-hmm. um, because we we, we were uh, a nation of peasants for centuries, like, so uh, the flashy thing is something that we're a bit resistant to, you know, and uh, so that was that, but um, yeah, so So, r- so r-
0: r- real quick let me yeah. ask. Let me ask you this: If you had gone to an adore which was the uh, the the Congress, which uh, the Alliance would use to recruit vocations, if you if you were to have gone before going to Dover, yeah. would you have gone up for the vocation call?
1: I don't know. I really don't know. Maybe not. It's possible I wouldn't have. Um. I I, I think i have no way of knowing how i would have experienced the adore because i've never experienced the adore um as somebody who wasn't a brother because when you're a brother you just spend so much time like away from the conference like just getting stuff ready and working behind the scenes and like you're busy um, yeah you are yeah yeah and and after the toronto adore um the brother that was over us oh He called us into the room, like all the postulants, like, and he let rip like on us, um, uh, because, uh, well, I my, I actually kind of wasn't really sure why, like, I didn't know, like, he, he was kind of expressing that we were kind of all over the place, kind of going around, like not applying ourselves to what we needed to be doing, like, her. Um, and i couldn't understand it i i really reacted very negatively to that experience like i mean he challenged us to just walk away like to just walk out the door if we didn't want to um to uh, continue or do to do what we were doing like if we were so kind of rebellious like my disposition i remember particularly in toronto was very negative like the second half of my so i did i did 6 months in the us as a postulant the second um six months, I was very, very negative to the community. And um, a lot of that had been this brother. Um, I think the way that we were treated by him um, uh, it was a lot of things, I think. But but like when I encountered that at the Toronto Adore um, You know I wanted to walk away I was very like I didn't under I thought he his reaction was completely completely over the top I had no context for why he was reacting that way like the only thing I could see was that um you know in the in religious life um everything is heightened like so something positive happens it gives an incredible lift something negative happens it's it's a massive weight and this is where obedience comes into play you know and um and so if something negative would happen, you would see it in the community or, and there were periods I remember one time where this this brother like sensed <laughs> sensed an issue among among the postulants in when we were in community like something had happened and there was silence in the room and he walked into the room and he was just like, okay you out here I'm, I'm talking to you now So he picked up on that. So as a postulant, as a brother, as somebody who has superiors over you, you're encountering situations a lot of the time where superiors seem to have an incredible strong sense of the spiritual, what's happening spiritually, you know? Um, And they would give talks at times, really kind of highlighting something, you know? And that's part of why it's so difficult to make sense of everything. and it's part of the reason why you you go in and you give your commitment <sighs> like maybe just taking a step back when like when you join the community there's this there's this it was it was like for me my experience was there was a flicking of a switch like you're in you're in the community now and it's like this is it why are you going anywhere else why do you want to go anywhere else you know you're receiving the sacraments every day you're praying all these rosaries right we prayed so many rosaries you have confession available to you this is the best way to get a heaven like and you're crazy to want out like it doesn't make sense and even if you're suffering then there's merit there and even with regards to family like you there's this messaging with regards to um you know separating yourself from family from the point of view that you're praying for them this is the absolute best thing that you can do for them um, and you know for somebody who doesn't have a strong religious faith or background that would sound probably a bit crazy but there's actually merit to that argument like because um, you know it's inherent in 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 catholic faith and in christian life that you're giving up the world to follow jesus that's the whole thing like that's what it's about like there's this this detachment and you're living for the next life you're living for heaven and this is the example of the early christians this is the example of the saints and so when you join a community um you know you talked about spiritual abuse i think it's spiritual abuse i think it's spiritual abuse but this is what they're using to um to move you but they shouldn't be using that to move you uh it needs to be from a place of so yeah okay so the preventive system right it needs to be the heart a person's heart has to carry them through this and they had in place a system which was supposed to do that um you've spoken a bit about the preventive system in your, in your, in your podcast. So when this community began, they did not use the preventive system. And the word that they use for how they ran the community before they had the preventive system was the repressive system. That was what they called it, the repressive system. And then they, they start introduce this preventive system. And this preventive system was spirituality of St. Don Bosco with three pillars reason religion and kindness okay is an inspiration to saint don bosco from the blessed virgin mary and this is how he handled his communities and in that system the superiors will endure all difficulties for the sake of those who they are forming Mm -hmm. um above all kindness that's what they say about the preventive system above all kindness so so, this is an environment of charity, of brotherhood, and this was supposed to be in place in this community. And my judgment of it is that this preventive system had come in a few years earlier. I think it was I think you guys were the first year when there was the preventive system. Yes, that' um, was my best yeah so my experience of it was that this was something that was really kind of being figured out as the years were going on like my time there you know so things were getting a bit more kind of gentler as time was going on so so one of the points that i would make on my judgment of it is that you know a lot of the time when there were violations and when there was problems in the community um it was because of failings in living the system that was laid out right Mm -hmm. so so when I was living the community and when I was in the community, even though I was experiencing a lot of problems and there were there were particular things that really caused me to not want to continue in that community or not give myself to that community, because I joined to figure it out because I had no experience of the community before I joined. um, And it was it was, you know, this idea that you join and all of a sudden, you know, you can't leave. Like, that's the message. Like I presented that because I was there to discern. Mm-hmm. and um. And so, but but they never use so, the, the words to you. You can't leave. I don't know. It's possible that they said that. Yeah, you're getting in, in the homilies, like just uh, this messaging. And then I would speak. To, I remember I spoke to. I did speak one time to this brother. Um, we had manifestations. That's another thing I might might say something about, where he would speak to us we talk about how our our experience in the community and uh he yeah he told me he he told me i would never leave he said you're here now this is this is it like you won't ever leave that's what he said to me and that was one of the things that completely closed completely closed my heart like i was like you're telling me i won't ever leave like um and so by the time it came for me to make my profession at the end of my novitiate I approached my superior. And a lot of the damage was done in, in, the, in, in America, actually, at the beginning. Like I encountered brothers, I remember when I, even just on the visit, like I could see like a brother just trying to trick the other brothers or to kind of like play games, like, you know, testing them with different things, like didn't appreciate that. In the Philippines, it was a bit more kind of um, sensitive, but there was still more of it. Um, so anyway, when it came to the end of my novitiate, uh, I would point out as well that my the way I judged it was in the constitution, it said that postulancy was to discern if you had a, re, a vocation to religious life. So if you got true postulancy, then that means God's calling you to religious life. If you go through novitiate and come out to the other end of that, then that means your vocation is with the alliance. Like, So they're discerning, oh, if you're having a problem living the lifestyle, then that's it. Okay, it's not for you. But, you know, they would they would be very slow for anybody to go. Like the only time somebody would go would be violations. Um, so anyway, I came to the end of my, which was the case with you. Yeah, I see you. <laughs> you're smiling. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, well, I, I, we might talk about that a bit later as well. Um, but because it's very understandable after your situation, like hearing your podcast, the, the different things that you went through, like it's horrendous. Um, Anyway, so I came to the end of my my novitiate and um, I approached my superior and I said that, um, you know, I have no heart for this place. Pretty much, I'm paraphrasing, you know, my heart isn't here. Um, I don't think I don't want kind of to profess or I don't think I can live the life. Um, And but I don't, I haven't seen any sign for me to leave. I was always judging by the constitution. So any failings that I would see in in the way things were done are, I would see it as a failing because they weren't following the constitution. So I thought fo- I would look at the constitution and I would say, is there something here that I can't accept? And I didn't see something there. So I said to him, so I told him, but I said, there's a big problem because I've been, my disposition is wrong. like, And he said to me that if I was, if I was obedient, the grace would be there. So he asked me to continue in the profession. And now that's actually kind of a fair point with regards to obedience, because obedience does lift you up and disobedience breaks you down like we I mentioned it earlier like my experience of of obedience and disobedience um but I suppose the thing that maybe wasn't recognized was that you know it would be so hard for me to follow through on obediences as well because of the way I had gone through things already um and that was basically what happened in the following years then as well like I had you know it just kind of started coming up more and more like um but on the day of my profession so maybe just to point out for people that wouldn't be aware um we made temporary profession after our novitiate and then we would kind of continue on making temporary professions to a certain point until eventually you would make a perpetual profession and as a rule uh, after perpetual profession you wouldn't leave a community you know that's it for life even though The status of this community which is something that I found out later towards the time that I was leaving the status of this community under Rome meant that um, the people who were in the community weren't actually tied to the community in that way because they hadn't received a particular approval approval so um, yeah so so during this day of my profession um, I in my heart In my prayer to God, I said, "Okay, I'm giving everything. I'm laying down my life completely. But I'm not giving my heart because I can't give my heart because my heart was completely closed. And so this is a big problem. Um, But I was I was going to endure whatever like. And my motivation was no longer for myself. So I said that I joined um, for, uh, for guidance and to grow and to know how to live the faith fully my motivation at that time through the messages that i had received in the community was that i would be offering myself in sacrifice for for my family for people that i knew um you know this perspective with regards to living for the next life which is a true christian's perspective from the point of view that this is a short life and heaven is where where it's at and that's for that's something that people don't see, um, and don't live their lives by. Um, and I don't know. We we speak about that at the beginning, where uh, this um dishonesty. Yeah, no, actually, it's not something that we really mentioned. Um, but it's something that I wanted to speak about. Was um, I I, I don't think we spoke about it anyway. Where. People don't engage in the religious question. Um, people, you know, I can't communicate. Yeah, I uh, spoke about it very briefly, but not really. Uh, I could go into it more from the point of view that um, it's. It's. It, I find myself. It's. It, it's very hard to communicate um, the reality of of religion and the seriousness of religion to people, and people don't engage in that question. Um, When you consider scripture and um, the words of Jesus with regards to um, um, entering through the narrow gate, um, the road is broad um, that leads to destruction and there are many on it and it's narrow and difficult that leads to life and there are few that are on it. and there are many examples in the Gospels. Um, Unless you likewise repent, you shall all perish. Um, the parable of the um, the wise virgins and the foolish virgins, uh, who hadn't prepared themselves, the seriousness of the question of salvation and of living for for heaven is massive. It's absolutely so big and so important. And people live their lives not uh carrying that not aware of that um and that's that's the shift in perspective that's the thing that maybe people who are outside of religious life maybe can't understand for people who are in religious life um they're carrying that this awareness of the most important thing is the salvation of souls that's the bottom line like and um and so the motivation is there and so yeah uh, <laughs> I'm I'm kind of thinking about the way this conversation has gone, we're kind of bouncing all over the place, but that's fine, you know. That, that, that's um, fine. Least, yeah, that, that, yeah. That,
0: that, at that's, least that's fine. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think at least we're. I, I think I'm. We're expressing. I'm. I, mean, I think I'm expressing things that I like to express anyway. So we're we're getting we're getting there.
0: So uh, um, real real quick to kind of like uh, bring things because uh, yeah we are bouncing everywhere. But like just to kind yeah. of make sure that we're on the right page. So like mentally, you have all the Bible verses, all the saint quotes, all the, um, all the reasons why it's good to stay in the community, how it's, how it's a sacrifice, how it's a prayer for your family, for those back home whom you love however in your heart even at the uh even from the beginning from what it sounds like um your heart wasn't there so your mind is there with the reasons your heart doesn't have the reason and you you still kind of push on with uh the hope that obedience will kind of uh carry you along yeah however like towards the i think it was towards the end uh when your sister got married is that towards the end already the marriage
1: yeah it was probably maybe two to three years before it came out
0: okay and that's when a friend or uh, some woman says to you you must be happy because if you're not then you're no good to anybody yeah did yeah, yeah. That...
1: It, was, it was at least it was at least three years before it came out actually uh sorry sorry what did you say
0: so when she asked that question did that kind of throw off your peace, or did that wake you up what did that do because now now we understand the context of how from what you're you've been sharing it doesn't sound like there was happiness at least in the heart during your time there so when she asked you that did that kind of Uh, did that anger you did that make you feel anxiety did that make you question your religious life
1: oh it it did yes um and when i went back to the philippines um i really struggled um with the community life at that particular time after i went back (laughs) and um it really just, it actually really just shook me from everything, like living the life, you know, Um, my disposition went, cr- it crashed. Um, I suppose part of that as well, it was the fact that I was, I had been home, like, you know, and maybe people would identify that anyway, like that, you know, this would have been one of the reasons, and it's normal in religious life, like in different communities where people do separate themselves from the world, that exposure to the world uh, is disruptive, you know? Mm-hmm. Um. But. Um, uh, yeah, so anyway, that experience was that experience was what happened when I came back to the Philippines and part of it was be- was because of what she had said. Um, and I, so what happened then was. Um, I had a very good superior, actually, at that time that was Father Philip, that was the time when I was um, uh, an assistant in the novices um, and basically like so yeah one of the things i mentioned earlier manifestations it was written in the constitution for regular manifestations and um this was something that was missed so much at different periods in my formation um and father philip was very consistent with manifestations for the whole community and that was something that was very helpful so i was going through a period of um Trying to kind of adjust and fix things. Um, Like two or three years previous to that, after my profession, my first profession, um, I was in a community, which was which was very very disruptive with regards to my struggle in the mornings, Um, because I used to at at different periods I used to kind of get permission to kind of go early to the chapel, Um, even though we were getting a little less sleep anyway. As it was like. but that particular community, it was kind of impossible for me to do that. And I I really kind of crashed in that community and was disruptive in community life. And so you, I was constantly having this inner struggle, like just trying to, trying to dispose myself and fix myself and then not be kind of negative as well. Like, you know, um, and so when I was with Father Philip, as an assistant in the novices and the first year as an assistant as well. That community was 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 a very uh, exuberant uh, community. It was it was full of very talented young vocations um, and joyful. And the way that that community was run was very positive. Um, And so that was a great lift, even though it was still very difficult. And also in that community, it was the first time that I had an encounter of what the preventive system really was like, because everything that I had, I actually struggled as an assistant trying to understand what I was supposed to do because of how Father Philip and his vicar, um, I can't remember that brother's name, it started with A, um, um, but he, I, I really appreciated the way that they ran that community and it was a shock to me trying to understand like the preventive system as an assistant when what I was supposed to do wasn't what I had experienced. Um. um so yeah, so I came back from Ireland that time, and then uh, I kind of crashed a little bit, and then so my disposition then was so I was looking to leave at that time, and I spoke to I spoke to Father Francis, and because. I think actually that was probably my second year as a novice assistant or maybe beginning of the second year and things didn't go as well in the second year um the (laughs) uh was the vicar kind of had me as a bit of an outsider actually and um I just kind of felt very kind of like a loose end in the community and it was very hard to give yourself in a community where um there was no real kind of appreciation of your role like um and so it it just became a very disruptive again it was a bit negative and i was always kind of struggling with myself to not be a a negative influence in the community um so people might have thought i was a like a, a silent rebel like this kind of idea about me was probably there you know um so i wouldn't kind of you know passive aggressive not doing things very bad but um um you know, carrying that weight and trying to be there and cooperate, but also having a negative kind of view of things, you know. And struggling with anxiety, um, you know, uh, how we react to crisis is usually fight or flight. And I would have very much have been on the flight side of things, um, uh, quite um, an introvert um and growing as a more reclusive in my personality i find um so but 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 we were trying to f- figure things out i remember I, I wrote to father francis because my disposition wasn't right i felt like i i owed it to them to try and stay and and to try and fix it so i think i had a period where i was able to kind of spend more time in the chapel something that i loved i know you you spoke about like solitary confinement um like that was something that never came my way but if if I had been allowed to spend time in the chapel and not to do anything else <laughs> um you know that would have been right down my street from my temperament like you know um but I had a period of that anyway so I was trying to just kind of get things right again get things right uh second year as an assistant not so great and then eventually I was sent to America again um to help out with the missionaries there i didn't know you so,
0: went sent back to america
1: yeah so yeah you do you did you did because remember i met you there remember your story about going to the oh, retreat after oh yeah, yeah yeah yeah, that's right
0: that's right yeah but i i totally forgot yeah, yeah. yeah that's right yeah yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: So, <laughs> i mean um, i mean th- there are just so many memories and yeah and, I, and like you said you know you always uh, we always change our names so it just uh it's hard to keep up but yeah you're you're right um i i saw you um uh, was it in Alabama or in Nebraska?
1: Yeah. Alabama at okay. the at the retreat. The, the, the one um, where uh,
0: Mother Agnes called me an asshole?
1: Yeah. That, yeah. Okay.
0: Okay. <laughs> okay, now I remember. Okay, yeah, so you were sent to America. That's right.
1: Yeah, and uh, first of all, things were going okay. Like, I mean, it was such a breath of fresh air. To be in America like um, and one of the things that had happened in my journey was a lot of the international vocations who had been there kind of at the beginning in the earlier years a lot of them had been moved on like so the last kind of couple of years there was less and less kind of international vocations or even Irish vocation there was a few Irish ones and they weren't around um so just you know just from a cultural point of view not to say anything against the philippines like but just from being able to relate to people just on a cultural way um you know it was a lift and just being able to kind of be involved in the mission work and stuff and just the lifestyle um so that was going okay and then we started doing some apostolate um after a couple of months um so we had that retreat in alabama and then we came. We went. So we went to Fatima for a priest retreat, and um, and that was yeah. So something happened at that retreat that really threw me off. And um, so, like I mentioned, how oh, I had kind of gotten to a point where I there was a kind of a reclusive element to my disposition, and I used to kind of like go away like I put myself in places away from the community for times just trying to deal with stuff um so that's kind of what happened when this kind of negative thing happened at the retreat and I just kind of stepped away for a while and so they're trying to carry out a retreat with small numbers and I'm not around like
0: small numbers um, as, in, as in participants or brothers
1: so as in brothers yeah mm. and so my feeling on that so like I mean uh there was loads of priests. I spoke to a good priest. I went to confession, and like my 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 disposition was like, well, this is this is a very bad thing, like because you know they're giving me a responsibility now, and I can't be depended upon, you know, and there's a problem here that that's not going to be addressed, like I don't think, you know, um. So anyway, my disposition went off after that. That was a big problem. Um, I just couldn't see how things were going to get get sorted. We came back to Ireland. We did a retreat in Ireland. And then a few of the brothers were in Ireland. We were going around Ireland just kind of doing apostolic, kind of connecting with some people. And we met with a priest up the country who had been at one of our retreats before. And uh, I spoke to him, I told him about my sport, my experience in the community. I like we went to confession to him and I just started telling him everything. And before I finished, he said I should come out. And uh, so I told the brother who was my superior at the time, and he um, he contacted Father Bing, uh, or maybe it was Mother Agnes. And they just kind of said, because Father Bing was due to meet up with us again. So the idea was that I would speak with Father Bing. Um, so like I said to the brother, like this priest said that I should come out and I agree with him. Um, and then Father Bing wasn't able to meet up with us. So I spoke with him on the phone and that's what I said to him. I said I was speaking with this priest about my situation. and uh, He thinks I should come out and I agree with him. And Father Bing said OK. Um, now, before that had happened, um, during the retreat in Ireland, Mother Agnes had approached me. Um, And was speaking about so one of the things that was happening at the time was uh, the community was going through a process with Rome and it had been happening for maybe three or four years at this time looking for an approval from Rome and Father Bing had been removed from the communities because of that Um, their kind of bringing in of the way that the life should be um, didn't include Father Bing Um, and they were carrying out their apostolate They were carrying out uh, this uh, uh, Holy Family Apostolate, and so what was happening was um, Mother Agnes was kind of, and Father being, they were kind of getting some vocations, maybe like some of the international brothers, and of course uh, all of the Sit sisters. Um, Again, maybe for people who don't know, there's there were three female communities and three male communities. Um, The Sit sisters. uh, were under Mother Agnes and they uh, carried out um, the media work. So uh, she was bringing a lot of those sisters to America with her um, to be with Father Bing and to work with Father Bing. And so this was the conversation that she was having, like basically kind of saying that Father Bing was going to start up again uh, the way that he started before. Um, um, So the big question mark with regards to this visitation from Rome was, they were kind of having problems with the lifestyle and basically father bing and people who supported him saw felt that this is my understanding anyway that the charism was basically tied to the lifestyle that you remove the lifestyle then you're removing the charism so he felt that or he said that like charism is everything like if and this is true uh, as far as i understand it like if a community isn't living it's charism it's worthless like this is the whole point of a community mm-hmm. um so uh so their opinion was that removing the lifestyle was removing the charism and so they were kind of getting brothers and sisters to kind of write a letter of of uh, leaving the community and then they would sign up with father bing um and so she was speaking to me about that and like i was going through my issues from the previous retreat in fatima and i wanted to discuss with father bing actually because this was i hadn't met father bing too many times in my years you know every now and again he would come to the philippines i spent most of my time in the philippines um and so being on the mission like he was close like i was closer to him so I wanted to speak about my issues, the difficulties that I was having. So this was before I spoke with the priest in Ireland and I was expressing this to Mother Agnes and she was very focused on, um, you know, getting people to join up with them. So she wanted me to join up with with Father Bing to make a decision, like not to be with the group in the Philippines, um, but to be with the group with Father Bing and um. And I I I I agreed, I said, like, from my perspective at that time, looking at the retreat, um, I felt that the way that Father Bing did things meant that there was it was a much more dynamic um, uh, dynamic community, like it was a it was dynamic in what it in its output, in how it like the retreat had been loads of priests there. It was really an inspiration. Um, and so I was like okay that's fine like I accept that you know Father Bing will be the way to go for me right but there's these problems like this is what I need to address and I communicated that to her like two or three times but she it was like she didn't hear it like you know it was she was just talking about trying to get me to kind of sign up this was all the focus of her conversation but anyway eventually she kind of agreed she said okay you can speak with Father Bing So we were driving from Cork to Dublin, I was driving and Father Bing was in passenger seat, so she said you can talk to him then, and on that trip, um, he just was just talking about what he wanted to do for the community, so the opportunity to kind of discuss anything that I was going through wasn't there, now maybe I could have forced it like but but it didn't come like again, it was all I was hearing was, was just talk about what they were trying to do and where they were trying to go and how he was experiencing things. And, um, you know, he said, like, uh, you know, I'll just start up again, like the way I started before. Um, and then when we arrived in Dublin, like he called us into a room, the few brothers that were there and he got us to sign up to um, to pledge ourselves to his new community and um and i was i was very unhappy with that and i but i signed up i didn't say anything it was kind of done communally as a group um even though it was a small group maybe i could have said something but that was something that was done a lot of actually people would sign up together like we spoke about at the very beginning in um in uh in dover when i when i first went um after christmas like there was a group there and they got everybody to sign up to join up like i will pledge my life to god like um and then all these people went home after the retreat and then their parents didn't let them let let them come back you know (laughs) which was which was fair enough like this is what this is what i mean about the manipulation so there was a bit of that there in that moment as well i felt and that was why i was quite unhappy with it and um and there was just no way I was going to be able to continue after that. So then that's when we were going, we were going around Ireland a little bit and I spoke to that priest and he said, come out. Um. So that was it. And then, um. yeah, then I had to, to figure out um, like, so I spoke with Father Bing on the phone and he, he, he accepted, fair enough. I think, you know, I, like I said, I didn't meet Father Bing too many times. Like a lot of the other international brothers would have, uh, spent more time with Father Bing I think any time that he did encounter me I probably didn't make a great impression on, <laughs> on him anyway with regards to competency I don't know um, I struggled with certain things you know um, so I think I don't know I think he just kind of felt he probably just felt like yeah that's not going to work out so he just kind of let me go you know so, so um,
0: dur- during your you said you had a a car ride from Cork to Dublin is that correct? Or yeah. And how how many hours is it? Is that like a 30 minute, one hour, two hours? No, it's two hours. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I can't remember how we managed two hours without it kind of getting discussed.
0: So it was more um, of a one one-sided
1: conversation. It was, yeah, very much so. But he, he maybe he it kind of only went so far and then he probably he might have slept. It was during the night, I think we traveled through the night probably. And, um, and then
0: and then so you arrive in uh, I'm, I'm guessing at a hotel
1: no it was uh, it was the house of the third order it was okay. a place where they used to base themselves a lot actually yeah
0: okay so you stopped there uh sleep or was it straight to morning prayers straight to nocturnal
1: it was probably straight to prayers as far as i could i uh, would imagine i don't i don't remember the context actually of the timing okay. i know that was that was a practice that we would do like we would always kind of pray before we would sleep if we were traveling through the night that, or that's right yeah which you know that was an inspiration, you know um, yeah, but difficult yeah
0: it was, it was very um uh radical you know the 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 yeah. pra- the practicality of the prayer life um but what I kind of want to figure out is is when did when was it that he had you sign because it was kind of like a like a like a sudden like here you go it was out of the blue. Paper. Out, um, yeah
1: it was, so, it was out of the blue yeah.
0: And this was the, the day after, or the day of, when you arrived to, to Dublin? Or was this it was, like a few days
1: later, or? It was, it was, I think it might've been the day of, but it might've been the day after. It wasn't too long afterwards anyway.
0: So he had- I think it was probably,
1: I think it was actually quite shortly after we arrived, yeah.
0: Wow, so he did have, he and Mother Agnes had an opportunity. To kind of present this, because you know, in in Catholicism, uh, not only in in religious life, but also when it comes to getting married and you know taking uh, an important step, uh, a vocation, uh, there has to be uh, full consent and consent uh, from what I'm also you know learning in my own research uh, be- before presenting like a contract or an Uh, something which you agree upon there has to be uh, a fully informed consent where the person has the opportunity to really make that decision Uh, but from from what I'm understanding is that uh, you were not fully informed you were informed about the intentions of them trying to recruit you but you were not fully informed uh, about their uh, their goal to kind of have you already signed the day of it, w- it was just pretty much put in your face yeah, yeah 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 okay. I,
1: I don't know I think it's possible that I was aware that you know I don't think no I don't think he had said that we were going to be signing up like you know but maybe mother Agnes had mentioned that but it uh, it, <coughs> it happened out. it definitely happened out of the blue like you know but but in fairness like it, it could have been said all right you know um, that that was what was going to happen you know
0: because they um, did that to so, me you know. for my second uh temporary profess i, I remember we were in yeah. Do- in dover and um because we would join morning prayers with uh father <laughs> father being and he was always uh the superiors so it was the superiors and the, the elderly professed brothers and we would be in um our our noc- we'd have our nocturnal first and then mass and uh, i re- I remember we were getting ready for nocturnal, and Father Bing, you know, comes to us before. I was like, okay, uh, Braz, you uh, and a few other brothers, uh, you're gonna take your uh, your uh, second temporary today because it's already the uh, the anniversary, and from what I'm hearing, it's already three years. So we're gonna go, go ahead and do that. Okay, uh, okay, you know. So there's there's no real like uh, I never really had that opportunity where i could think and and really um put my case because i was already kind of struggling at that point but and you mentioned earlier how it was healthy when we had the manifestations where we can really talk one-on-one and for for me i and i think i've mentioned this in in other podcasts where it kind of felt like um what do you call that A, a shotgun wedding where you're just like put on the spot and like for me i i couldn't say anything because you know the other other members they're saying i mean they're gonna do it they were gonna do it too so it's like uh i I don't want to have the embarrassment of of saying oh i i can't go ahead and do this and and you even said you know it's a small crowd so you you probably could have uh but at, at least in my case i felt like I I was put in the in a small corner where, if I say something, it's like oh man, like I'm yeah. saying I I can't I can't I I just can't.
1: Yes, oh that that absolutely happened. Like it was the same with the professions. Like the professions would happen like all of a sudden, oh it's profession day, like you know, or they would call it out a communally. Like they would bring everybody together and then they would call them to make to you know uh before the actual profession they would get them I don't know I don't remember what they would say like or they would call out their 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 institute and uh you'd have to say I'm ready and willing you know even though you might have problem with it there was almost like a force to say I'm ready and willing you know um I remember one guy in our community I don't know. I I think he probably had an issue being able to say I'm ready and willing. So he didn't kind of go with that. And then he ended up kind of going along with the profession anyway, and he was still in the community for years, even though he hadn't properly professed like and it was just a weird kind of manipulation of the system. It was kind of another kind of wrong way of kind of going through the process, because I had seen something then as well writ- written down where if somebody hadn't professed at a certain period of time, then like they couldn't like this is some sort of a church thing like mm-hmm. um, and then like so he was almost like accepted and then later made out to be kind of professed, even though technically he hadn't, you know. Yeah.
0: um.
1: And that's probably, you know, one of the other things that really stands out for me. Like we spoke about, like problems and you know manipulation for vocations is probably the first thing that I would think of. Um, and the other thing then is like, as the years went on, uh, you could see little bits and pieces here where, you know, even though it, obedience was such a big issue and something that was asked of the community, um, there were. You know, they had a way of doing things that was always kind of like twisting and manipulating, and not always following the obediences, or not and not being obedient themselves. You know, um, and you know some of that maybe, particularly with this with this uh, process with Rome towards the end of my time there. Um, you know, you I wasn't really fully aware of what was going on, but like you've expressed some of that, you would be aware of some of the things that were happening in America and what have you. Um, you know that's all fits you know the other things that I would have seen here and there you know um, yeah so maybe like that's kind of like a time to really kind of like kind of focus in now on like like what's the problem you know um, because we spoke about um, we spoke about how I would look at the, the constitution and I would say okay I can't find the problem with this so if I see problems outside of that, um, in the way that they're carrying things out, or there's, an, there's a spillover of the repressive system, which hasn't really kind of left the community fully. But, you know, at the same time, you know, it's a community that's full of, well, pretty much incredible people. Like, I mean, every single person that joined that community is somebody that I respect because I know that it was a difficult life You know, some people, there would be a few brothers that, you know, I would have a a real problem not getting on with, like, which is natural, everybody like, but um, I respect everybody who was in there, because their motivation is um, so immense with regards to such a noble intention to sacrifice themselves for others. Um, and to to endure difficulties day in and day out because of that. Um, um, so, so you're looking at the constitution, um, not seeing a problem there, but you're seeing issues in community life. Um, important to point out as well that, um, so yeah, so we're talking about good people there, a lot of good things happening in the community. You're meeting brothers, like minor superiors and even some major superiors. Yeah, even, yeah, quite a few major superiors who are doing incredible things for you and um, they're sacrificing for you as is supposed to be the case. Um, um, good people, compassionate people. Um, no, yeah, not everybody. Not everybody would have been that way, I think. Um, I, there were I think... Some, some, some people were, were tough like, and and harsh, um, which is actually I don't think is right. And um, but there were some people that were just so supportive and trying to help. Um, so, yeah, the question is there. The question is there. What's the problem, right? Um, and something that we said before is that, there's this i think it's i think it's the system i think it's the lifestyle i think that so one of the this is i think this is the hard thing to figure out because when i was when i was in fatima um i said and my judgment was there's dynamism here this is dynamic this is effective this like this look at the inspiration that he's giving to so many priests right you have a very orthodox spirituality like incredible like some of the preaching was incredible yeah. and um and um right so dynamism it's effective um uh, then you have on the other side of that right you have uh, what i'm experiencing in the philippines after being in america that bit by bit like compromises coming in in all these disciplines so this lifestyle has is a very disciplined life incredibly disciplined all the things that they're checking and the piety and you've spoken about a few of the things in their podcast like like required to pray 10 rosaries every day um you know again that's something that'll probably blow somebody's mind who's outside of the church or outside of you know but um you know, you're <laughs> you know, some people would never pray ten roses every day and they would be very sincere and honest. And then others would be racing through them and they get them done like which is fair enough as well. Like, yeah. um, you you know, obviously you want to try and pray them as as well as you can. but um, And the difficulty in the lifestyle challenges you to give of yourself. And it's always kind of moving you beyond yourself. Um, some obediences are coming that like you literally just can't fulfill, like, but that was the idea. Like that, you 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 always kind of giving this challenging, this this perfect kind of um, example is kind of laid out, and you're striving to get to that. And so if the lifestyle goes, the compromise comes in and it might not be as dynamic. So is the charism tied to the lifestyle? Um I don't think so, and well, because I think that it's not a direct thing. If you look at if you look at what victimhood is, if you try and figure it out, and and you've told me that the community that are in the Philippines that are working with Rome, there's a big kind of process involved in actually figuring out what what victimhood is, and they have to actually kind of go through with that. Um, it's a spiritual thing. It's not about the the physical or the, the, the practicals. Now, Father Bing is the founder of the community and he, he would probably disagree with me. Like, so maybe he has a way to explain it, I don't know. But it doesn't seem to make sense to me. And if 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 somebody is in that lifestyle and they're struggling and they can't live up to it, um, then you can't have it like that for people. I, I remember like, like what Father Bing would say was that like this is the way that the saints lived like so if if this is the way that they do it then it's a good thing to do so that's what we do Like we just do what the saints did but uh, I remember reading Don Bosco so Don Bosco was similar in in the way that he lived like um. but he didn't dictate the same thing for for um the next guy that came after him Father Michael Rui. I think he's blessed I remember reading somewhere that he told him like about getting more sleep and having you know being prudent and stuff like that you know because that's for the masses like that's for everybody Mm -hmm. you know not everybody can do what Don Bosco did like and and so so if you're if you're going to have like this high bar then how can you expect so many people to live up to that high bar you know either you, you, you have a very small number or you don't have the bar so high. Like he Father Bing spoke about, about, because people are living in the world today that you can't get vocations anymore that can live the lifestyle. Like one of his struggles was that he was constantly finding people who were <laughs> resisting what the formation was. Like that's, that, so you spoke about one of your situations and where you were very badly treated when you came back to the Philippines and that was in second novitiate and they introduced second novitiate because novitiate was all about the lifestyle they were trying to get people trained to be disciplined in this lifestyle and it wasn't working all this kind of checking everything and ticking boxes and then you have violations so you get half meal all that kind of stuff in novitiate and then so they, that didn't work. Oh, they came through novitiate and it's still not working out. We have all these problems with these brothers. What's going on? So OK, so we're going to have second novitiate. So this will be the one now. And the idea is that second novitiate is going to be terrible and hard. But a lot of the time, the way that the community lived out wasn't terrible and hard because you couldn't ask that of people. It wasn't going to work. And so in spite of themselves, that's not the way that they did things to a certain extent. Um, so 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 yeah so ultimately i think i don't think it's about it's about the lifestyle and all those disciplines you know and i think that are you know if that's the way you want to go it has to be a very very few number and there were people who had um mental breakdowns in that community like in the community um i I don't know if you can think of them. There was one in my batch, and I can think of another one or two outside of that in other in other years as well. and
0: um, well, I, I know several, even like well not just I mean not well, because you know, during my eleven years, uh, you I, I had I had seen so many different communities, uh, not just mine, but I also saw the 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 communities before me. Um, you know, different mission areas, uh, different like uh novice communities, and there were uh, several instances uh, where you do see um, mental breakdowns uh how however, even even I kind of went through a mental breakdown uh, where for me, like my in my case, um it's like i and I've already shared this with my in my, in my podcast, you know, of years of of forcing myself to stay there, and then I wasn't doing any violations, and then here I was getting beaten, or I was in solitary, or I was being publicly hu- uh, humiliated, or they make accusations, oh, that I'm uh, being <laughs> how how would they say it, flirty flirty with with women. And it put me mentally in the box where, you know, that spiritual abuse um, did start, I feel um, I, I was losing it because I had no one to talk to, no one to, uh, no spiritual leader. I, I, w- I mean, I would talk to, to the priest and then uh, later on, uh, they'd call me a queer and like in the homily. So I, I did go through a bit of a mental breakdown in a sense where I just didn't know, I didn't know how to vent. I didn't know how to react anymore because it's like, I'm damned if I do, I damned if I don't. And then I've seen the other side of, uh, of a mental breakdowns where people really you know, lost it. And um, I, I think it was mostly the lack of sleep where you know there is like a disconnect and uh, it 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 was sad seeing them go through that and the first the first answer or the the first remedy would be that person is possessed and we need to go through full-on exorcisms and i think that you know telling them oh you must be possessed Or you must be going through, uh, you're going through a crisis, a a vocation crisis. And that's why uh, you're getting attacked by the devil. So we're going to do exorcisms. I think that didn't help the problem. And over the years, I saw, you know, from the the men and the women who had, uh, sadly, um, mental episodes, which I think could have, you know, been prevented if we in my opinion if we did apply the preventive system and like like you you i'm glad you highlighted it you you highlighted the fact that um above all kindness and i think that if if they had applied that with the highlight of above all kindness religion reason and kindness i think it would have been uh the perfect uh community for me at least uh but with uh you you've mentioned how the, that repressive ideology i think it's still remained uh and, and father bing i think he uh i don't know if you remember he brought back the uh zero tolerance the do you remember the zero tolerance and 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 yeah. that was again Uh, it was done in the spirit of charity because you you want to uh, like uh, purify you know the imperfections however with with that zero tolerance it started bringing back that that old way of thinking of we need to kind of uh, you know have this strict lifestyle so that uh, your imperfections will be purified so what I'm what I'm trying to get to is um they did have that kindness and they they never fully from my from my perspective they never fully captured it but when they did in small instances even though it was a hard lifestyle it's like it's like when you're in a in a battalion or in a, a platoon you know you can really stick to your brother you can have someone to really uh trust and in your case, you said that you never fully embraced the community. Uh, but I, I was lucky where I did have some communities that I was in where I could trust the brothers who I was with, that they wouldn't judge me or they wouldn't be uh, condemning me. Or if, if I were sleepy, they wouldn't, you know, hold it against me. You know, I would I would be allowed to have a little nap because I was too tired. Or they uh, uh, another brother would make me a coffee and, you know, Hook me up. You no, know, that that charity I think helped me get through it. But seeing that repressive and very condemnative uh, point of view of of other of, of some communities, you know, depending on who the superior year was, there was a a lot of uh, uh, sadly mental breakdowns. Um, or uh, the code word that we would use was, uh, he's in crisis, and um, later on, I did see uh, members starting to go to psychologists, and you know, getting the help they needed. But this was at a much later time, and I think it could have been prevented. Because it wasn't just me who went through mental yeah. breakdowns, but
1: several. Yeah. Yeah. But I I don't think we have a massive amount to do to finish up, but I'm just wondering, could we take like a one minute break just for a yes. second? And then uh, I'll be back to you again in a second. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, OK.
0: OK, now we're back. I just had to take a little break. Um, uh daniel uh how you doing yep. brother
1: i'm good i'm good
0: i'm good where would you like to uh continue off uh with the yes. story right
1: yeah kind so i think yeah so um yeah i'll just go back again a little bit on just like finishing up and uh when i've kind of finished up with the community and um you know, probably we can just kind of think about maybe just summing a few things up, maybe are reviewing a few of the things that we said. Um, So uh, just what I was just thinking about just there was, um, um, you know, this conversation that I had with Father Bing towards the end, um, it's kind of like really my journey in the community a big part of it was um, this disposition issue that I had and uh, the anxiety issue so and I spoke about like the difficulty that I would have in the mornings and in different communities um, that was very disruptive for me at particular times and there was one community in particular um, about halfway through my time in the community where it was very very negative experience for me and you know, I came to a point where I, I, I surrendered that, um, now, you know, I suppose the question was always there for me, I couldn't understand how that would be something that God would ask of me, to give that up, you know, this, this ability to, um, to commune with him and dispose myself, you know, if you, if you read the spiritual, uh, some spiritual writings from saints, like, you know, I think it was Saint Ignatius of Loyola, like anytime that there would be an issue an issue for him, you know, he always was able to find a solution by going to the Blessed Sacrament and spending a moment in the Blessed Sacrament. And um and for me that was that was a thing with regards to starting the day, you know. And because there was such a full schedule at times, there wasn't the, the ability for that. And so I always had a question mark over this issue, like, and I always wanted to to understand how were I supposed to live this life or how was I supposed to deal with this issue? And that was probably something that kept me in the community because I wasn't able to come to a resolution. So that conversation that I had with Father Bing, in a sense, was that was kind of my moment to really to really address it and figure it out. And... There was no acknowledgement of that in the conversation. I do feel like this. Probably, I could have forced the issue and brought it into the conversation. But my understanding was that Mother Agnes had allowed me to speak with him under the circumstances that I'd be addressing my my problem. And the conversation was all one sided. Like, um, and and so, so that moment was a moment of frustration when we were asked to sign up with Father Bing um, and then it was just shortly after that then that I met that priest in Ireland who I opened up about my my issues which was what I wanted to do with Father Bing and so I spoke about my issues and he told me to leave so I spoke with Father Bing eventually on the phone I told him that this priest had advised me to leave and I agreed with him and so that was it the decision was made um, um yeah so that was it i came out of the community um when i came out of the community um massive amount of anxiety um a complete change around in my experience because in community everything is set everything is laid out um you're following schedules um you're always with other people in the community and so (laughs) suddenly all these kind of like stabilizers or supports are just gone like so um, massive issues with anxiety when I came out of the community I had a tendency to um, be um, I I had an instinctive reaction towards people at times which was kind of a negative thing and that still actually comes up for me a little bit now and again you know Um, so I might be speaking with somebody and just something would happen and like this kind of tension will come or a negativity um and that was something that came up a lot early on like i mean i was like completely shot through with nerves like an anxiety um so again yeah i don't know yeah so we're speaking about like this question mark with regards to the lifestyle the charism um you know seeing the problems in the community, but not necessarily in the the constitution. Um, um, having people broken down. Um, yeah, well, that's about it, I suppose. Like, I mean, we're we're kind of getting into kind of um, territory about with regards to positive and negatives. We kind of mentioned that we would speak about that. So I know we've spoken we've spoken a lot about it already. Um, But maybe just to kind of go through that a little bit again, um, just on the positive side, like um, the orthodoxy of the community. um, Again, like speaking about the motivation that that we had to join at the beginning and why we had that motivation and what this community was offering. And again, I'd like to point out like the failures and the the shortcomings and the responsibility that's on clergy, particularly um, you know that's important and maybe it's not something that always gets expressed to clergy and that's something that i feel and i, I like to express that because that's mm-hmm. the thing that drove us there that's what we were seeking and i see it a lot as well now with the um <coughs> there's a big kind of a traditionalist movement in the church at the minute which is on the rise
0: mm-hmm. and
1: again i feel like um you know it's coming from a lot of young people that are searching for um stability in the faith and uh, in my opinion that's something that becomes excessive at times and there's a lot of good reasonable and solid priests that are reacting negatively to that but they need to understand that people are going to this because of the shortcomings in the church and there's a responsibility on them to carry that so the community had this orthodoxy it was an inspirational place um, There were many things that they did that was um very effective practices they when they would preach a lot of their preaching was focused on certain themes that were very significant themes and so you would always have somewhere to go if you were speaking because this was what these were the focuses and it was a very effective message the the centrality of our lord in the eucharist um Massive, I think Father Francis was probably the priest, I never had come across a priest who, who spoke more about the, the true presence of Christ in the best sacrament before. And it's very powerful to hear that a lot. Um, the four last things, um, consideration of death, you know, um, and it's such an important message. Again, we spoke about that earlier on um, with regards to society and how society doesn't consider these things and how people live their lives in, um, you know, there's so many things in the world today where people have, um, you know, education and stability and talents and so many things that we're able to make use of and develop and areas of expertise and people with so many talents and common sense but so much of it is lived without the consideration of God. And this question with regards to what the, the points that we made about the gospel and the challenge that's laid down by the gospel and the seriousness of that challenge is not considered by so many people. And, you know, even if you're going to dismiss it, um, you have to have a reverence for that message because it's too big of a deal and people don't consider it. And that's so important and um you know people aren't able to engage in that conversation people go to their deaths not being able to engage in that conversation and they live their lives away from faith and you know i have never seen i have never encountered an an argument against the catholic faith that stands up you know and there's a lot of people that speak against god and they'll think that the idea of god is ridiculous but they are never coming with um a substantial argument against God in in relation to the things that I've learned with regards to what 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 supports God's existence. They can't there there are things there that support God's existence that they're actually completely incapable of engaging in. And they speak with such confidence against against God. And this is the world that we're living in. And you know it's it's so serious that people would not engage with that. Um, the warnings that Jesus gave about about only a few, um, you know, the narrow path to heaven um, and the warnings that the saints have given about, you know, there are so many saints that considered that more people were not saved than were saved, you know. There's a lot of saints that wrote about that. Now, it's something that we ultimately don't know, but but the warnings from the church are massive. And to live your life not considering that is 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 just a serious mistake in my opinion you know it's something that people have to wrestle with and it's too easy today to allow yourself to go along with the current and uh, not uh, look into that and that's something that i want to emphasize again Um, so so this community was was communicating that and um and that's to their credit and so many people in the community were an inspiration. Um but uh yeah so we've spoken about the problems violations. Um you've spoken about some of your incidents in the um in your podcast. Um and you know to be totally honest with you like like they're horrendous things like the so the incident about um was it your grandmother when you're in America that that whole situation yes horrific that's that's absolutely it's terrible like that something like that would happen and then the incident uh, when you came back to the philippines um and and so so you're in a situation and other people who are in the community in this situation who have come out and i don't know that many of them i don't speak to that many of them i'm, I'm here in ireland i'm a bit isolated but i knew know somebody here who's who's struggles very much so from their time there um we're in a situation of. Um, of struggling to understand that and like i i I, what i feel from your podcast is that you're um, you're expressing the injustice that was that was committed against you you know that's what's motivating you that's what's moving you and you're completely within your rights to do that like um and and it's 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 it's, i think it's needed i think it's important i think that has to be kind of addressed like you know and people might say about about um, talking to the community, but like we're grappling in the dark, you know. Mm-hmm. And so that's why we spoke about the reason for doing this is order to try and figure it out and and come to terms with it and give a reflection. Um, and that's about it, really, you know. Um, I think we've 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 said a lot. So um, yeah,
0: there's something uh, very. Uh, I think uh, filling from what you're bringing into the table, because and I, and I I say filling because I I believe in my podcast I've only I've only put in like uh, half, and that that half has mostly been the negative of the the community from uh, from like towards the end. Of my stay and you know also leaving how you know you feel like an outcast and how you know uh, me wrestling with the idea that I'm going to be cursed by God and how they push that narrative of those who leave must be cursed or must be uh, hexed uh, or the word that they would use is a misfit for leaving the highest vocation. Uh, So mostly my, my, um, my storyline so far has been uh, the negative. Uh, Whereas today, what you're bringing to the table is another side, another version where it reminds me also of the positive, you know, the reason why I joined Uh, like that, (coughs) that, uh, you know, me leaning more towards that um substance in their preaching instead of like a watered down catholicism i i was really i joined because i i wasn't especially you know growing up in la uh i was very involved in my faith however i felt that the, the theology that many of the priests uh preached in their homilies and even the way that they practiced the the liturgy was very watered down and here at this community i felt some i i was drawn more towards that uh orthodoxy and i, I found a, a lot of beauty and it does remind me that yeah there there was a positive uh reason for me joining i didn't join you know to get to get beat or uh to uh to go through spiritual abuse and that that was not my intention and I think that even even the previous members or I shouldn't say I think I'm I'm almost 100% sure that they also joined out of a purity of intention to do good good in this world and I I still uh I still look up to some of the practices that we did, you know, which was like, you've mentioned, uh, devotion to the Eucharist, you know, prayer, nothing wrong with that. Those are actually beautiful things to practice, especially if you're a spiritual person, uh, especially in Catholic, or even if you're not Catholic for those who are listening, uh, who, who want to engage in, in spirituality, not just reading the Bible, but, you know, practicing it, um, by you know sacrificing yourself for your brothers or your sisters and you know doing acts of charity I think those were all good things and unfortunately I had lost sight of of many of the positive things which which you brought to the table Uh, then going back to the negative um, yes it did wound uh, people like me it wounded me very much Uh, But like I said, it it is just a relief to be reminded that not all of Catholicism is about, you know, beating you up or about, you know, humiliating you or uh, spiritually abusing people. Uh, There's a beauty. And I want to thank you, uh, Daniel, for for reminding, uh, you know, not only myself, but hopefully for, you know, other ex-members. Uh, that there was something beautiful when they joined, uh, and there was I, I bet there's the best of intentions. Um, but I wanted to ask you, uh, because we did you know go through the positives and negatives, and you did express uh, earlier how you've you know struggled with anxiety and how you've tensed up. What was it that gave you the courage to, you know, go, go on a Zoom call and uh, to, to be open, not only with me, but, you know, this will be to several people. You know, what was it that gave you that courage and what advice can you give to other ex-religious members who might be going through a, a similar type of anxiety as yours?
1: Um, (laughs) um, well okay so why did i speak well so you know we addressed um the motivations at the beginning as well like with regards to um uh trying to uh, bring some understanding um and also with regards to um what I'm encountering around me. And I suppose there was a kind of a desire to, um, to speak about my situation and, and uh, address my situation and break it down and go into it in order to have that. um, And, you know, in a, in a, because it's something that I'm I'm I find in so, so many occasions that I'm not able to express to people. Actually, I've never, like what I was able to express here, I've never been able to express to people in my life. Um so to be able to have something in order to bring them to kind of if you know, if I if I meet somebody or if I'm close to somebody, like, well, you know, if you want to know a bit more about what happened, like you can have a listen to that. Like, um, so that's kind of why I decided and, and encountering and an inability to kind of really address a lot of things with people. And, um, and again, like what I spoke about not so long ago about the seriousness of, of, of what Christ is offering in the gospels, you know, whether you believe it or whether you don't believe it, um, that's something that it's not wise to live your life not engaging with that because of the seriousness of, of what's being offered there. Um, so that's a motivation for me. And, you know, like I said, like this experience in a religious life, my expression of that with other people is ne- is a negative because of what it, the effect it has on me when I'm trying to communicate about it. And it shouldn't be negative, like, and I want to, uh, I want to honor my faith, and I want to honor God, and um, I want to express um, why that's important for people. And um, so you ask about, about uh, for other people who are, might be having have experiences or anxiety. Um, my opinion is... And first of all, I'd like to say that you know in this community um, there were people of all sorts of talents and abilities, and everybody has their story, it's something that you mentioned before. Like, so you know, in my experience, you know, there were a lot of people who who probably wouldn't would have a very mild negative expression. I think a lot of maybe the Filipinos, who is particularly who joined in the later years of my time there. Um, their experience probably wouldn't have been as negative. Like we mentioned about how things were getting a bit better with regards to the preventive system. But there are people who really suffer because of what their experience and um, what I would express. And so and, and, and these people are all able to articulate things about the community. So everything that we've spoken about here in a sense is a reflection. And like I said at the beginning, like, um, you know, we, we might you know mightn't even have said everything correctly but that's how you figure things out like you know um yeah. so they would have other perspectives and other things to add or whatever um and things to consider and that's hopefully that this can be a help in that way um and then uh with regards to the struggles and the, the, the difficulties my, my own experience is that you know um like I do carry that on that no matter what I mean I'm going through or whatever experiences I'm having like I have I do carry that faith with me and I do carry that relationship with God and ultimately that's um the most important thing and that's the thing that is the most valuable thing in my life and so whatever happens to me in life like 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 uh scripture says all things to the good for those who, who love who love god like all things work to the good so the good and the bad it's all positive um so you just go about your life and you stay with god like you know and, and that sure sure has been an up and down journey and so many different layers and experiences involved in that like um and you know everybody has struggles in life and following god uh, can be Uh, can consequently bring particular struggles because of that um but um but what you carry in your heart anyway for me anyway it's 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 there's nothing beyond that that's the most important thing so no matter what like that's there and um and so for anybody else that's that's what i would uh, i would share like maintaining that and having your prayer life and communicating with god is um, is life to your soul and uh, and um and that's it and no matter what like that's there he's there for us you know um so that's probably the, what i would say
0: for someone who uh you know sadly the the reality is that um some victims of spiritual abuse or uh because you know my audience some people who listen to the podcast are also victims of spiritual abuse or some might be from cults that are not even catholic uh some might be ex-religious um and some you know many might have turned away from god and are you know perhaps inching back to god or they're still quite distant uh but you mentioned something um you mentioned a prayer life. Uh, what, what would be, a, you know, what is a prayer life? Because, you know, we mentioned earlier 10 rosaries. Um, you know, I, I, I don't want to boast, but I remember in, in my postulancy, because like the more you do, like we get rewards. So like, we, yeah. I, I think I did like 20 once. And then I went to the Philippines because we had like a big whiteboards where we like, we could see the tally of everyone else's rosaries. And like, I remember this one guy, like every day he would have like 40 rosaries. And I was like, (laughs) come on, you know, like no way. And, um, but my question is like, for those who are perhaps returning back to God, uh, because some of my audience, like I said, might have been very hurt uh is there a a prayer life or are there like certain prayers that you would like to recommend to help uh heal that brokenness that some might have or like are there any suggested prayers
1: well the thing that i'm thinking of now right as you say that is i think that it's never been more difficult to have a prayer life than it is now (laughs) in the world and you know i've seeing uh I, what i've something that i've seen is that like people who are brought up in families where there is quite a bit of faith already um a lot of the time the children um you know the the, the the faith has been ingrained to such a point that they can't say no and they can't dismiss it but because they don't have a prayer life they're not living with god they're not living the faith that's something that i'm coming across and uh and so there's this like, this this constant there's this inner kind of struggle and they're pretty much living away from God, but they can't shake it off. Like, And the reason for that is because they have, in my opinion, is because they're not able to have a prayer life. They haven't been able to kind of make room for that or put that in place because that's, in my opinion, in my experience, that's the thing that connects you, you know, and that's the thing that holds you up. And that's the thing that gives light to your mind and gives warmth to your heart, you know, and you know people have different temperaments you know so you have to you have to and then they have different experiences so you have to work everything is everything is malleable depending on a person's state in life and what their own experience is that's where a spiritual director comes in but like making a place for prayer in my opinion is just so important and um and that's something that i struggle with as well and what i find probably now the thing that really t- the thing to really try and support that is um is uh, early to bed and early to rise that that's the old saying early to bed and early to rise makes a man healthy and wealthy wise. if you're able to rise early you know not at a crazy hour it doesn't have to be a crazy hour but yeah no rise early that's that's the best time to get your prayer done and that's the time to set you off for the day and the best, the, the best way to have a consistent and good rising time is to have a consistent and good time for going to bed. Because if you're going to bed late, then you you're you're going to struggle to get up in time, and and that's a constant struggle. Like there's plenty of people living the the, the faith who are who are trying to get that in order. Like especially younger generations now, you know. Um, but as far as I can see, that's kind of the key, you know, to try and put that in place. And then as regards prayer, then there are many different ways that you can kind of engage in prayer um obviously our lady is constantly asking us to pray the rosary so we should try and find a place for the rosary um but you know mental prayer a time for recollection is so important um this is my experience you know this connecting with god in in the heart and a lot of the time it's not something that can just happen you know The more you're in a situation where the environment is spiritual and the more you're in a place where that can be supported, the more it allows for that penetration to happen. So it's so important to set your circumstances up in order to try and support that, um, you know, silence, stillness, uh, communicating to God with the heart um, allows God to enter in and touch you and bring light into your mind. And so you have to try and support that. Um, uh, there's a term called affective prayer. So the main thing about prayer is that it, it inspires you to, um, to make a resolution to live a good life. So you set the groundwork for allowing yourself to encounter God, With uh, encountering God in prayer. Uh, so you have dry prayer, which is when you're not feeling any consolation effective prayer is when you get some sort of consolation and that lifts you up and it gives you an inspiration and it motivates you and that's where you come with the resolutions and you're like yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna be faithful to god so so you have to try and put in place as much as you can the circumstances for to allow that to happen and that's a challenge you know um and um yeah that's my experience anyway
0: (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Daniel, for uh, for sharing uh, your experiences—the positive, the negative, your reasons. Uh, thank you for you know having the courage to uh, to to speak uh, in regards about anxiety, and also for breaking down at the end the importance of of prayer life. And you had a beautiful—I mean—is it you who said this, or was it a saint you said? uh prayer is light to your mind and warmth to your heart is that did you make that on the spot or are you quoting are you uh quoting some saying or something
1: uh i was it's probably inspired by somebody but it pretty i think i don't think i uh, i don't think that that's a quote direct quote from anybody <laughs>
0: <laughs> and and then you said something uh what was that last you said like some kind of a short poem like some rhyme uh though if but right tried. Early what? to bed, yeah. What was it? Early, to, early bed. to bed and
1: early to rise makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise.
0: Is that did a you Irish, ever hear that? Is that an Irish proverb?
1: Maybe it is. Yeah, it's very common. When I was growing up, I knew I heard it before. Yeah, same as apple a day keeps the doctor away. But um, but I just think that that's on the ball. Like you know, it's and very wise. Get that right. Yeah, yeah.
0: And I think um, I think that that we've had a a beautiful conversation about. You know all that we've spoken about preventive system about uh manipulation uh to get vocations and so many things and i'm very thankful for you allowing me to conduct this interview Uh, would you like to say any last any any yeah
1: remarks Uh, the, the the thing that i'm thinking of right now is that i'd like to thank the superiors that i had for the sacrifices that they made um you know
0: want to give a shout out? All the mix
1: in all the mix up oh yeah well i mean father philip was 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 a great help to me and uh, father justin was my superior in um, postulancy and novitiate and i have a, a very high respect for him um father matthias was my superior for a while and i found him to be a very good man um father david who was also very authentic and sincere. I didn't quite gel with Father David, to be honest with you, my introverted nature. Um, but I have a I have a very high and healthy respect for Father David as well. Um, um I want to thank Father Bing and Father Agnes and you know, even, even those because I think so, I think that um, and I don't know if any you probably won't hear this. I don't know. <laughs> We're saying it at the very end as well, like so um it's but, fine. but but you know whatever about the problems like you know something that i said to you once before like father being joined religious life when he was very very young so he all he knows he's in that environment like so he's he's an expert like um uh but i don't know like i mean like when i see the problems i can only trace it back to the top like so um Whatever about his circumstances, I, I really can't even enter into understanding that, um, you know, he lives the life of sacrifice as well, you know, mm-hmm. so and and he struggles trying to maintain the community. I don't know what struggles he has. I don't know. But, you know, if the charism is victim, he must be struggling as well, you know. Yeah. So. Um, um, so, yeah. And. um. And then some of the brothers, um, brother brother Gabriel in particular stands out. Um, yeah, you could you could start picking different names anyway, but um, yeah, I'll leave it there.
0: Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of good
1: brothers. Yeah,
0: there are. And uh, even though I didn't get along with all of them, you know, naturally, yeah. you know, yes, I there still is a respect, even for Father Bing and Mother Agnes, uh, although you know we don't meet eye to eye, and you know I, I, although. I do talk <laughs> a lot about them. Uh, i I've mentioned this in my podcast. I do it because i do I do have love for them. I do have a lot of respect, and uh, for me to be quiet about it, in my point of view would be uh, would be it, I wouldn't be authentic. Because I I do love them. And that's why I I do speak out. And some people might assume that I'm doing it out of hatred or, you know, out of spite, out of bitterness. And people can have their own opinions. Uh, But, you know, coming from my mouth, uh, I do it because I love them. And, you know, they they did have good intentions. But then I feel that uh, along the road, sometimes good intentions isn't enough. And so it's good to talk about it, Um, but yes, I I still do respect them. And uh, like, like you said, you know, it's, it's, it's natural to not meet eye to eye with everybody, but, you know, they have uh, committed years of service uh, to people and to the church. And uh, I respect that. I respect the sacrifices that, that they did for us while, while we were there. And um, yeah, just a shout out to them, <laughs> even though I, uh, you know, if they're listening, hey, uh, sorry for talking bad about y'all, but at the same time, uh, just understand that I am doing it uh, from a place of love. Uh, so I think we can end it there. Does yep. that sound good? So thank you so yep. much, Daniel, for the great interview. Um,
1: thank you. We can hand it over to God. My pleasure. Yeah, we can hand <laughs> it over to God now. <laughs> okay. And I hope I hope it's 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 worthwhile and it's good. Okay. God bless.
0: Yeah, a good one, brother.